Hey everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse. This is episode 195 and that relatively neutral face greeting you. Now you can see him in the audio version is Matt. Yeah. I was I was listening because it sounded like something was going on outside my window. So I was listening through one ear and not the other. Uh, well, that's fine. I was just setting yeah. up so I could say that then also here with the miserable looking like he wants the world to end, not just for himself, but for everyone, because why should anyone be happy? Connor's here. I don't mind other people being happy, just as long as you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm happy. We got sales figures today. I am. Yeah. I am. I couldn't be happier. Couldn't oh, be happier. Oh, there are memes already being shared. The, the most popular segment on the show uh, is memes this week. Memes are happening. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm not like I'll, I'll, the memes. Memes are fun. They're cute, Connor. They're cute. But the people love the sales talk. So here we are. So much so that Tim requested horror movie box office numbers on streams so after really, midnight. That's I'm, so I'm calling that lies and slander. It's not even like he asked me before the show. He asked me during the show. Like it wasn't at the start of the show. It was at the end because he said, "Hey, I'm hearing so much about these sales figures. Can we, can we do some figures on this show?" You but, know, <laughs> Tim. Tim said that he wanted to do karaoke, but with podcast episodes. Yes. And I thought that was the most uh, chaotic he's ever been. But if he really is asking for sales figures on horror, he's just jumped to chaotic evil. <laughs> this is a DC Comics podcast. Every week we get together, we talk about DC Comics, the new books that are coming out, the ones that we read and what to talk about. So coming up on this week's show, we have Deceased, The Unkillables Issue 1, which now normally, a, a sort of unspoken rule with the, the list of books, the order, is that Elseworlds and stuff go after all the main continuity books. Uh, but, you know, I just I felt like this was deserving of the headlining slot because, well... You know, you know why. Anyway, uh, also this week is Batman 89, Justice League 41, Aquaman 57, Legion of Superheroes number 4, Jimmy Olsen number 8, Wonder Twins issue 12, Wonder Woman Dead Earth number 2, Joker Killer Smile number 3, Plunge issue 1, and the Lolo Woods issue 3. You might be wondering where Metal Man is. Uh, a couple of us did read it. I did not. Uh, we'll have that back next time, next issue. Uh, just the, Since I didn't read it, we decided to cut it for time because it was a lot of books and... DC decided to drop the mother of all news stories on us yesterday. Because yeah. I thought after last week, after I thought last week we had Generation 1 and the Celestials, Celestials themselves, of course, we had Death mm-hmm. Metal. Okay, that was their big news week. Ne- this week's going to be quiet. There's going to be nothing almost, right? If anything. And we had like a couple of little tidbits throughout the week, like two or three tiny little yeah, things. Yeah, I've got a couple of things to talk about after this. But the headlining news that we're obviously going to start with here is the release of Dan Didio from DC Comics. <laughs> The release of the sports team beat. <laughs> well, this is the biggest news in a decade. Yeah, this yeah. is huge news. He, he, his current job title he's had since 2010. He's been with the company since 2002, but his current job title he's had since 2010, which I think is quite obvious when you look at the timeline, because a year after that, New 52 happened. It's very clear that, you know. it's Well, uh, f- from everything that's ever been said, New 52 was not his idea. That was uh, Bob Harris's idea, and he kind <laughs> of was the one in charge of overseeing it well and he was the one that was like if we do this we have to forego i remember an interview yeah. with him was like, you can't half-ass it you which we I, have no, to I, I think completely burn it down and build it back up that wasn't necessarily the wrong sentiment in what he was doing no. like, if, you, if you're going to do it you've got to just do it yeah yeah which they didn't though they, they, they sort of half asked it anyway I mean, they did for like 95 percent of it yes so there was like two books that oh. didn't do it 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but it, it reestablished things and it actually kind of worked um, for a little bit. And then when, when that stopped, it, a rebirth happened and it kept it going. So for as much as I would, you know, curse the man. Oh, I, I, and, the first thing I want to say before we even get to say anything else, because I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of uh, Didio's name being dragged through the mud to an extent here in a minute. I don't want to make it very clear that he's always seemed like a really passionate guy. He's always seemed like a nice guy. I just don't necessarily agree with a lot of the creative choices that he would like to make. I think it's quite funny. I don't know if it was last week or the week before we were talking about Didio uh, in mm-hmm. relation to this job position and being like, hey, you know, we like the man and, you know, we, you let him just do Omak and Metal Men for the rest of his life mm-hmm. and that's fine. <laughs> this uh, is our fault, Connor, for saying yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. listened to us and yeah. went, oh, so yeah, someone listened to our, our podcast and all of a sudden Dan Didio's gone. And I think the weird thing here is there's a few other nuggets that have been added on to this to kind of like confirm, or maybe not confirm is not the right word, but further adhere to, to the, the speculation here that this news happened on a late Friday, which is not normal for news to be released if there's a planned thing to go out, right? If there's a planned news item or a yeah. big planned announcement, it'll happen, especially from DC, it'll happen... Uh, like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, it'll be during the week and it'll be like a planned time and it'll be all set up and all the rest of it. This was on a Friday and that kind of leads to the speculation that whatever happened, happened very suddenly, that this was a decision that was made and then they put a, a press release, or not even a press release, it was kind of leaked to sit them. You know, it was kind of like, you know, I think comicbook.com heard the news and then the others like sort of confirmed um, it. Today, because yeah. well, we record this on Saturday, of course, today Newsarama added another little couple of tidbits that I think further compound the idea that this was a very sudden decision. Because if you read the Newsarama article that's up just now, they have confirmed that on his latest Friday morning, Didio was doing two things still. He was still posting in the retailers-only uh, Facebook group, where the retailers all go to talk to, you know, Didio and other, D- you know, people at DC for oh, stuff. Uh, and he was also con- contacting freelance uh, creators on Friday morning uh, for DC projects. So he was still actively doing his job on Friday morning. And then by Friday afternoon, we heard that he was gone. Which feels like he was just very suddenly and abruptly told that that's it, your job's done, you're gone. There, uh, there have been some rumors from some websites with maybe connections that say the reasons. Um, and a lot of it, apparently, you know, grain of salt, is down to a uh, working environment. Is uh, they, they uh, you know, executives at, at, at Warner Bros. Uh, believe that you know okay he wasn't fostering the best working environment you know we had we've had like you know six or seven uh editors leave in the last year yeah. few months okay and it's things like that which have compounded uh apparently hey if that's the reason and th- there is like a, a, a clear record of like this is why we're getting rid of him because we feel that like he's failing to do this part of his job then i can't really argue with that logic as them as bosses really ultimately you know it doesn't actually feel like a proper vindictive thing did it have to happen this suddenly i don't know maybe you could have said hey you're, we're, you've got a month left you know get your affairs yeah, in order that's the thing then, well no if, if, if he knew surely he would have been making preparations himself and not still doing his job friday morning well i'm just thinking maybe he didn't take it seriously right he's co-publisher so he's like oh, okay whatever um to know, be I fair that is actually very true to people like i know i, 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 <laughs> yeah. I know, I know someone, someone got fired like a month ago and yeah. she was t- she, she was told on like the tuesday hey we're gonna do an investigation and she came out and said ah be fine nothing to worry about yeah. and then was fired the friday <laughs> yeah, so, uh, this I, is... I was shocked like genuinely no. shocked there's like i don't, don't understand yeah. i didn't see it coming 
this is the second of in the last two months something like this occurring in my fandoms because the Golden Knights coach was unceremoniously let go out of nowhere. It, it looked like it was a joke, um, like 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 an Onion article headline, you know, because there was zero like zero indication that he was even on the hot seat. And so yesterday when this broke, the only reason I knew about it is because Connor was in our in our you know side chat. You know how come no one's talking about this? Well, no, it was it was Tim that brought it up. I, I don't. Oh, I was it Tim? I yeah, it was Tim. In the Facebook group. Oh, okay. So it shows you how closely I was paying attention. Yeah, yeah. and, um, and then I, I did accuse Pete of being a ding dong for, right. for not answering right. quick enough. Uh, oh yeah, it'd been like eight minutes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That in those eight minutes, was I was doing all the things. But yeah, but it was a surprising to say the, the least. Like again, I want to curse at DDO for a lot of the decisions he made, but he's also. You could argue he saved DC numerous times. I mean, everything. Yeah, it's a sword, isn't it? Because you know, there's yeah. the big overarching decisions that we disagree with, but then mm-hmm. he has personally ensured a lot of the smaller books existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we've seen a lot of that in Twitter the last couple of days. A lot of writers and artists have been speaking out on his behalf and saying how much of a good boss he was, how he championed certain types of books, he gave them opportunities, things like that. And I think on that front, he seems to have been a pretty good good boss in, in that sense. Uh, I think where we like have our problems with Didio is some of his like just sort of kind of just strict creative stances where yeah. you know he doesn't like certain characters like Dick and Wally, which we all kind of want to thrive well, and get big. Famously, during the uh, New 52, there was no marriages. Yep, so yep. a lot of these characters mm. that were together forever, right? And then as soon as Rebirth kicks in, you know, Superman and Lois are back together. And Ollie and Dinah, and you know the list goes on and on and on. So you know that was one that was overturned. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so weird. Oh, yeah. That now we're in a post DDO. It's yeah, it's kind of a thing that you know we talk about all those creators praising. A lot of them did acknowledge that they had differences when it came to creative choices. Right, but that's uh, you know, when it came to editorial choices, they had you know pretty strong differences at times. But that's okay because. Yeah, that was kind of his job. That's, that's part of the framework of where he is, right? Like, yeah, you know, um, you're not gonna agree Harris, with everyone, all right? Are you? Right. Is Harris is still the editor in chief? For yeah. now. Yeah. And Lee is still well now solo publisher. publisher. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, I don't exactly know what a publisher does. <laughs> I just know they're in charge, right? Like, versus an editor in chief. Yeah. Well, um, a publisher as a company obviously publishes things, but what a publisher as in a person's role does, yeah, I can't right. help you that much to be honest. Yeah, so I don't know, but um, well, if it's I almost creative, imagine I almost imagine Jim Lee just being like a one-man show in the the, the printing office just running around doing everything on his own. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> I'm a, publishing. I'm publishing. Big... Yeah. yeah, the the impression I've always got cuz whenever they've done like meet the publisher panels, mm. which mm-hmm. I believe they were scheduled to do another one uh, soon. C- C2E2, Dedio was scheduled for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they usually do them together, that, you know, and they have done for you know, quite a few years now. Oh, um, a, imagine the questions that Jim Lee, if he's still going to this thing, is going to get now uh, with, with Dedio oh, yeah. leaving. It's, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, but from what I gather from whenever I've listened to these panels, um, it's kind of seemed to be that uh, all the editors, like all the, the group editors, kind of uh, talk to them uh, and you know, creators can contact them individually. They're like the first point of call, as opposed to yeah, okay, Haraska, you know, makes the actual business decisions. But the yeah, actual, so uh, like, a lot of the creative things comes down to uh, Lee and Didio. 
So yeah, so it says here the publisher set the editorial and commercial direction for companies that publish books, newspapers, magazines, and digital content. So so yeah, so they set the tone, mm. and they expect you know the, the expectation is that the flow chart goes downwards. Yeah, I do feel a little bit bad for Didio in the sense that he's always the one that's been given the shit. Like Lee has never been given an ounce of shit over oh, his yeah. role in the job, but he mm. has been theoretically just as culpable in terms of the creative direction. Yeah, but to me, they'd always split. When they announced they were co-publishers, it seemed to me that Didio was the more hands-on guy with the creatives and that Jim Lee was the kind of the like the commercial side of it. He dealt with the businessy and like converting it over to digital. Because I remember that was his big thing when Rebirth hit. Or day and date digital comics, which at that time seemed oh, like a you're you're a generation uh, out there. It was New Fifty Two, though. Yeah, oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah not really. <clears throat> um, mm. I don't want to think about New Fifty Two if I don't. I know, I know. I know. I, it's a hard um, mat. I know it stings. It stings. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, and when you look now that we get our comics as soon as they're there, you know that was a thing that that Lee was pushing for, um, and I think DC they were amongst the first, right? Yeah, for day and date. Yeah, day and date. Yeah. The first, yeah. And uh, it's so, kind of amazing that it, you know, it's not all that long ago that that wasn't just the expected standard. standard. Whereas now, anyone who doesn't do that, it's like, yeah, what funny. the hell are you playing? Because I want to say Marvel. Don't load. Yeah, I want to say Marvel before New Fifty Two had some day and date books, but not all of them. I think DC were the oh. ones who said, no, no, everything across the board yeah. is day and date. Um, and I remember Lee making a big deal that most of the work's done digitally now, anyways. So there's kind of no excuse because it's one less step than putting it out physically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, but yeah. So again, I don't know what exactly their jobs were, but yeah, you're right. Lee was kind of <laughs> Didio was the whipping boy, and a lot of the creators, you know, at we famously loved when he caught a bunch of shit <laughs> at, at one of the panels for decisions that were made. From all the creators. Um, so, yeah, it seemed like he was kind of the whipping boy, but he was good about it. Like, he never... You never got the thing where he wasn't like, oh, well, it was my fault. It didn't no. work. To, to the point where even... I'm going to have to name them. The, the site that we yeah. kind of despise, Bleeding Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, you know, like, you know, uh, you know Rich there, he, he loves Didio for a similar reason in that he was like, Do you know what? I know, you know what these sites are going to exist. And he yeah. kind of played up for it uh, to them, you know, and um, kind of spoke to them in a not official capacity, but, you know, would be like acknowledge them in ways that uh, other creators wouldn't. And mm-hmm. I get why, you know, in, in the sense that, hey, you know, you, if you can't fight the, this place existing, which realistically you can't, you right. may as well try and control the narrative at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's uh, and to, to tie it to wrestling, there's, you know, Dave Meltzer, who, you know, gets all this dirt. And, and puts it out as, as far as he knows, right? And, you know, the, the big company, WWE, a lot of the guys don't like that, right? The, because he thinks that he's doing a service or whatever. Yeah, he's better. I'd say he's definitely better respected, though. He's more of an actual journalist, I'd say. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. But, like, yeah. what, what Connor's saying about these sites existing, that'd be like if, if they started actually working together, which you could almost feel kind of with, like, with AEW and Meltzer, right? There's you're not going to fight that he exists. So you might as well use it to your advantage. And if you want to use it for a storyline, mm-hmm. go ahead. And that's kind of what Didio did with the, the, the nameless company. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was just smart, right? Like, 
Also, I can't tell you who Marvel's co-publisher is. I know their their editor in chief. It's uh. Right? Oh god, <laughs> forgetting the name. Oh god, it's what was Cibulski, the? Right? Well, yeah, but I was trying to remember what your Japanese yeah. name was, so I could. Uh... Right. Every every time this comes up, he only refers to him by the Japanese name, and yeah. every so often he just completely blanks on it. Uh, I don't know. Kazawa-san, I don't know. I can't remember what I said, but it, <laughs> he he faked being Japanese to write a book about samurai, uh, which is as dodgy as it sounds. Uh, yeah. So here's the question, though: Is like, do they replace Dedio with someone? Is there going to be someone new in this position? Do they continue on with Jim Lee, just kind of being sole publisher? Because uh, I have to imagine Dedio was doing a fair bit of work, so surely yeah, Jim Lee I, can just yeah. take it all on. Not if he wants to expect to draw anything ever again. Yeah. It's, well, uh, it's interesting. Outside the odd cover, what else is he drawing? It's been a while. I mean, what, the first issue yeah. of one of those uh, metal and it wasn't books? Even, and it, yeah, and it wasn't even all of him. Yeah, He was made to do yeah. the first three issues, and he only yeah. did, like, half the first issue. He's, he's had, <laughs> Which... like, short stories in some of the, um, like, the, the, the 1,000 yeah. issues. Yeah, right? sure, yeah. But still, like, you know, that that's small potatoes compared to... A normal artist schedule. You no, know. It, it is. It's pretty. But he's not a normal course. artist. He hasn't been a normal artist since Wildstorm, no. right? Since he he started Wildstorm and then sold it to DC. It's he's yeah. he's been a figurehead more than anything. Yeah, he tried to so. be at the start of the New Fifty Two. What was he on? Yeah. Was it? Was it Justice well, he designed League? all the costumes in Justice League. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he would do an odd fill in here and there because that was kind of the thing was. Oh, you know, Jim Lee's co-publisher now. Look at, we're going to, he's going to go across the line. He tried to do that book with Snyder, the Superman one, right? Uh, Unchained. Yeah, that was him, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was seven issues that was heavily delayed. Yeah, so, it, was, it was delayed, but I think he did do them all in the end. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but that, so, that's like 2013 and we're talking yeah, about so, here. So yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while I mean obviously I think <laughs> I think the dream scenario here is that Jeff Johns gets this role <laughs> but I don't necessarily see it well, happening it. for a couple yeah. of reasons I don't know if that is the dream scenario either personally well, what do you think the dream scenario is who do you want oh, no, this? I, no I don't have a name in mind that, 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 but yeah. I don't know if Jeff Johns is like oh that's the thing I want necessarily um, it's, definitely, like what... it's definitely what I no, want because Jeff Johns because we're, if we're talking about these these roles being about driving the creative direction for, yeah. for DC then Johns is the person who I trust most in that role right no I get what you're saying but I kind of want something fresh in that sense like Johns drove the direction well, for a long time in the context of uh, well not in a publisher role he had a lot of the flagship books and, and drove the direction of certain things like that for a while. And I, I don't know. I've, I've been in the mood for just something different, even though I love Johns. All right, Bendis. Boom. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. If it means he writes less. <laughs> yeah, but now every book's going to have Bendis dialogue, Connor. No, it's not. He's, gonna, he's, he's not going to be that hands-on with the dialogue. <laughs> um, my my nightmare scenario, though, is this is... I see this as, like, the Disneyification of companies. And I'm a big Disney fan, right? And... But like with the way that Iger has just bought up everything mm -hmm. and this made it pieces and then you kind of instill these suits that represent the company in those positions and you just look at what happened at Warner's with, with Diane Nelson, right, and Jeff Johns and, and all of them not in those roles anymore. 
it was only a matter of time before it got to comics. Yeah, the, the worry yeah. here, other than maybe some nightmare scenarios of specific names, the worry, I guess, yeah, is that it'll be yeah. so, some generic Warner Brothers business suit person right. who comes yeah. in and doesn't really care about comics. He's just there to... Uh, but, uh, but again, though, if, if the, the point of this job is the creative force, because if you've got Bob Harris still making business choices, then the creative force surely has to be someone who has a creative mind who can drive the story. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's. I, don't know I mean, all the time will tell. I wonder if we'll get an announcement in the next couple of months of like, hey, so and so is now signed to be this yeah. for this role, and maybe it's something to do what a name for because it's someone they can say, hey, there's an announcement. Yeah. We've got kind of like what they did with Jim Lee. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, or if it's like a you know someone from a a smaller company that is you know, I I don't know too much about the the smaller ones, right? But someone that has done real good inroads. I'm pretty sure Mark Wade just took a job like this at a small publisher, but if he hadn't, yeah. Mark Wade would be another pretty good, uh, good yeah, pick, yeah. I think. He, he did just take one. That's yeah, he did. Publisher yeah. whose name yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know, he can wear a lot of hats. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and also, with Didio gone now, that was always the famous thing with Wade, was you'd always hear, yep. is Didio still there? Yep, I'm not coming back. Um, and, and the inroads they've already made with the Ruckas... It's worth right. mentioned as well. Bringing Bendis over. I read so. on on the Twitters, uh, Gary Frank, like he was actually sick of DC yeah. and didn't want to come back, and it was it was Didio him getting in charge that brought Gary Frank back. Yeah. So that so as much as we're upset, Wade's been gone because of Didio. We have yeah. Gary Frank back because of Didio. So yeah, and and let's not forget a certain Mister Liefeld being like, uh, hey, look, 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 you know, look who's got been very excited about this news. Oh, yeah, honestly, if, if, there's, if there's one reason why I want to root for Didio, it's the idea that Rob Lightfield wants to yeah. do it against him. Uh, I saw that and it went, it went, I take back every bad things I've said about Didio. And that's, <laughs> not a slight to Liefeld, but I don't know. Everything I've heard about Liefeld, he's a, a super nice guy. But when it comes to comics and like that whole famously that Batman only sells because it's Batman, that was another one of those things I was like, well, well no, the book's good right now. And that's also, why it's selling. Even if it sells but, because it's Batman, yes, it's Batman. <laughs> right. And he's just upset. That, that is a slight. He's just upset that Cable doesn't have that cred. That's all he's upset yeah. about. Yeah. So Batman just doesn't have enough pouches. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, uh, dear. Uh, so now it's huge news. Uh, it's hard to tell where we're going with this and who's, if anyone's going to replace him. Um, but I wish Didio no ill will. He did. No, no. Yeah whatever best job he could while he was there uh, even and, if fundamentally creatively i just disagree with some of the, the things that he has the very dead set on well, but yeah yeah and and also like you brought up earlier the him like it just coming from out of nowhere like he was talking about stuff that morning which actually you know? I, I think leads to the other conversation piece here is that you know he's behind all this generation five stuff and all this other right. things like obviously they've solicited generation one i'm so i i do think we'll get those five issues but it does make me wonder whatever we get at the end of those generation issues and whatever we get at the end of uh of death metal is that going to be what was planned to begin with or is that changing now because uh, diddy was not here a couple of things one again i think snyder was mentioning death metal or, or someone mentioned death metal in regards to this stuff and snyder's differences with didio over that was because he really didn't want to do anything looking at the future in death metal. So I don't think we're going to get anything coming out of death metal in that context. Well, think... that, that's good then. Oh, that's, no, sure. Well, we, yeah, we, we knew that before, but I still suspect that the reason why everything happens is still because of the end of death metal. It may not be in death metal, but, you know, if there's some sort of, you know, 
I, I honestly don't. Multiverse shaking cool. thing. Um, but then the, the, the second thing is, I've seen some speculation that even the free comic book day issue will be reworked entirely and won't be this, well, these hold 5G on. things at hold all. Hold on, hold on. We got news on that. You... Which, yeah, no, that news did come out before this, though. So there's speculation that it'll be reworked again and be something entirely different and not be you know scrapping this well let me let me yet. tell you what the news was then uh before yeah. the speculation uh so generation zero was altered a little bit this week um it's adding a dish uh, adding the subtitle gods among us for whatever reason uh which yeah, makes that was... of injustice right yeah just just well, generic nonsense but that was yeah but that was the generation zero subtitle in to solicit. They did mention that article last week. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, so they're expanding the flash forward epilogue uh, and eliminating the planned reprint of a classic story. The issue features starting in front cover by Master Magic's Manipal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, yeah, so they're taking out the Wonder Woman story. Yeah. Which is interesting. So to make room for extra pages of Lobdell's. <laughs> I'm telling you that the metaverse exists and. Wally now with his power has just got rid of Didio. That well, that so was so he knows what it feels like. That was the joke. That was the joke. As soon as he got Manhattan powers, Didio's gone. Yep. <laughs> Snapped him out of existence. Uh, so yeah, so I, maybe it'll change again. I mean, I was looking forward to this, this these five generation one shots. So I'm hoping they still happen. But I mean, we'll see. Yeah, because I mean, they still. I mean, even if they don't do this whole complete rebrand, it's still nice to refresh every five years right that's what the metaverse concept was so even if they refresh and we still get wonder woman maybe it doesn't need to be a reprint right but we still get wonder woman's appearance changing things oh yeah i mean even if we don't get a new status quo at the end i mean it can still just be five yeah. one shots explaining what the continuity is right now exactly We're, yeah it can still just yeah. be that but i think that the problem with that is inherently what these five one shots are doing is kind of changing the continuity right if if Batman has been around for you know that long, and, and so is Superman, then it inherently changes where we are right now. But I mean, th this might be just going off the deep end because there's, there's not actually any reason to think that they'll change everything right now. Like the stuff that's planned for the next like you know four, five, six months could still just play out while they're prepping whatever the plans are after mm -hmm. that. I, I I would suspect that most of the big changes to wherever we're going is probably not going to take effect until a few months down the line. Probably. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see if these do happen, if they get cancelled. Who knows? Um, maybe they don't want to you know, lead into this whole thing and then you know, have to kind of backtrack and, and not do it. I mean, it's an interesting news item to talk about. It makes us talking about the books far less interesting for the rest of the year to take away the big interesting thing that was happening. Uh, well, you'll so. still have I'm not. I mean, that'll be fun, but I'm not expecting, you know... Mm. Yeah, really really things, it seems like they're changing things on the fly and that maybe this is because again we don't know if Didi walked right or just as he was removed so like maybe he was like fine then I don't want to work here anymore I mean it's possible it's possible that they right? had, it's possible they took him into the office and they had a, a stern mm -hmm. talking with him and he threw a shit fit and said you know what I'm done and right. walked that's always and I mean I, I don't think it's lately but it's possible no but because if you read this came out this news came out before that yeah and if if the generational thing was his new, that was his new direction, right? Yeah. As co-publisher, this kind of like we all always want to build a narrative, right, and connect threads that might not be there. That seems to make sense now that if this is changing on the fly, um, I don't know. It's I don't like uncertainty in DC. At least I could count on DDO to do 
what DDO is going to do. <laughs> now I have no idea what's going on. I don't well, like that. We're in this weird flux of time now where we don't know what the direction is. And I feel like there's this like kind of like excitement because it's like, well, I mean, we could get someone who who cares about some of the things that we do and uh, we get to this this new maybe era that, that, that we're going to find very fulfilling. But then there's the, the danger of we're going to end up with someone worse who's not going to have the same passion and we're going to end up with an even worse state of DC Comics. Uh, either way, it will definitely be an interesting time to talk about DC Comics I for the next while. Something we haven't even kind of talked about there is the amount of books being published. Like That's something that could change drastically like uh it, it was uh you know okay the new 52 we start obviously with 52 books and now we've got significantly less than that but we have like a lot of minis happening here or there um whereas if you look at the 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 march solicits for marvel there is so much just being flooded out of that yeah. so will we get someone who comes in with that mindset of going, we need to we need oh, to compete sure. for market share which i mean in marvel i mean for the record are publishing too much and have been for a long time that's been their mo is to just flood with like right, so many down. that they'll have you know 15 x-men books they'll have six spider-man books they'll have you know they'll, they'll, they'll flood mm. it with everything and you have to kind of wade through the trash a little bit and you wonder like how much some of this stuff sells you know i i hear at you know comic retailers talking about how there's like oh. half half a Marvel's publishing lane they don't even order any of. Like they literally just yeah. ignore half of it because no one well, buys it. The Marvel wallet at my shop is so overpacked just because all the different miniseries too. Like I remember having to tell the guy that, that pulls my list, I don't need every unless Aaron's writing Thor, I don't need the book. Because just the sheer number of different miniseries that were coming out, mm. uh, it's insane. But, you know, that's the thing we could get someone who wants to go in that direction which yeah. again be interested to see how that ship ships out right um because you know i was looking at marvel solicits because they just came out this week um yeah and the first like 15 books were all like tie-ins to this event they're doing which apparently starts the month before and i just didn't know about it but uh yeah empire empire there you go that's yeah. it um with a y and it was just like like 15 books said empire this empire that and i'm like okay i can happily ignore all of these so i'm not going to look at a single one of these books i'm good <laughs> the problem is like you know we're, we're looking at starting back up elsewhere in the, the very near future yes um what's really frustrating is some of the books i actually like and read are tying into this goddamn event that's been marvel's problem for years and yeah but like like captain marvel has been like a you know, a solid you know top tier book for marvel since kelly thompson's been writing it and then it's and and given what this empire is it's kree scroll stuff uh i get you know okay with captain marvel that has an impact on that makes sense in terms of the character but god damn it i just want to read my books not all of this other shit yeah it's, it's frustrating uh so we'd hope dc don't do that i mean there was like a you know about a year ago we were talking about dc reducing the number of books and it kind of happened a little bit for a while and then just kind of ramped back up again there's a f it's it's honestly i feel like there has been some internal division because we heard about oh well come january absolutely nothing will be double shipping anymore and that wasn't just us they told that they obviously told the writers because tynan took on yeah, batman yeah. under that assumption and then found out later well we're actually going to keep it and uh, yeah same it, goes for justice league still double shipping right yeah it, it basically it turned out that only one book actually because there was a couple of books that already turned from double to single but from when we heard that they were going to switch everything from double to single in january only i think detective detectives the only one that actually did everything else flash justice league wonder woman 
Batman, they're all still double. Uh, right. So it kind of feels like there's some internal division at that level as well. And I don't know if that was, you know, was one of the Didio on one of those sides? Who knows? Maybe this is, you know, another one of those things. Um, but it does feel like they need someone at the helm with a bit of a, a firm hand, you know, who, who can actually make these choices and make them stick. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in a, in a weird time of uncertainty. I'm sure there'll be more to look at. Last last question on this. Do we mm-hmm. expect Metal Men to finish its entire run? Yes. Because they just removed him unless he's just like, I'm not writing it anymore. Well, that's the thing. He he has no... Obviously, he can still do it as a freelance, right? You know, there's no reason why not. He has left any of every official capacity with the company. It's not just as, you know, his role as co-publisher. He has no connection to the company at all but he could still write the book as a freelancer if he you know wanted to if they would let him who oh. knows yeah well i mean presumably because because of what issue six was out this week was five it? was it five so presumably like seven and six and seven maybe eight are written because the artists will be working on the next one right so he's probably an issue or two ahead yeah. um yeah. given that the solicit for you know may's issues there uh i suspect that he's a little bit ahead so I mean, it'd be a shame if he didn't finish, because at this point he's probably only got like maybe three left to write if he's not already just done them in advance, which he might have done. I mean, there's no, no nothing to say that he could might have not have done that. So we we have no idea. So I I hope he finishes. I hope it doesn't just leave in limbo because he's not in charge anymore, so that he he can't ensure it gets published. <laughs> it just it feels like the sort of spiteful thing that I can see happening from whatever. So if if he was fired or quit, whichever way it went down. Right. I can see the spiteful thing being, well, screw you, we're not letting you finish that book then, right? It doesn't feel amicable, I'll say that. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, but Didio himself has not said a word to the public. Um, no. Nor, nor has DC officially. Yeah, that's true. So this There, does there not, has been no statement whatsoever. It does not feel amicable at all, uh, which is a shame. So, Yeah, from what we can tell, um, executives were told on Friday uh, after... It happened, I assume, but before we all heard about it. However, only the executives who were, you know, in the offices in Burbank knew about this because there were some that were off at a conference. Uh, they were given a speech at something or other. Oh, what conference was it? They were given a speech on how Didio was taking them out of the future and uh, how Didio was the, was the, the, the linchpin of the, the whole uh, thing. <laughs> it was the Comics Pro thing in uh, in Portland. Yes, uh, that happens. And I'm, um, I'm just imagining them giving a speech. You know, Daddy, Daddy is the, the the king who's you know steering the ship. He's he's the captain. He's taking us out of the future. Then look at your piece, and they get a little message going. Oh, by the way, Daddy, you just get just get fired. Uh, ch- change direction. Oh, but you know, I mean, a ship is a whole crew. It's not just one man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not just one man. They, they pulled out. They they didn't do their their speech. They got obviously got told, hey, don't do you don't do your your your, your slot, right? Um, and also. It, it seems to be a lot of them learnt about it at the the executives who were in that room learnt about it at the same time as us on their phones seeing the headlines and all had to just leave the room and, and just like uh, right get out of here is... right now yeah what's the opposite of amicable because that's what this would be because if people aren't finding out until <laughs> yeah people aren't finding out on their phones as they're supposed to be giving a speech yeah. yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, I didn't really need the confirmation, but if anything tells you this was like a, a not a planned announcement or a planned information leak, then that tells you right there that some of the executives were finding out from the news sites on their phone, or their Twitter was probably blowing up or whatever. Uh, they're sitting yeah. there in the room with all these people. There was like two executives in the room that were supposed to give like an hour long presentation or something. And yep, 
just let, and then they, they saw this and left right well i think we'll move on from this just now because i feel like this is something we're probably going to talk about every week for a while because there's probably going to be some new news mm -hmm. Yeah. trickling out on this uh, over time so i think for the sake of getting some other things today we'll we'll move on but uh obviously this is a big deal uh in terms of you know management in terms of people running the company this is by far the biggest news we've ever had on this show not creatively per se although it could turn into a very big creative news as well uh but uh we'll, we'll keep you posted uh, episode to episode um but yes, uh, so just a little bit of news here. Um, so Batman Catwoman uh, was revealed this week. I, I guess, you know, if you skip ahead if, you, if you're yeah. terrified about spoilers or whatever. But, well, uh, I mean, these are spoilers that Tom King posted on his own Twitter. I did, but, <laughs> but, but some people like to go media blackout and like to try and avoid things like this. So well, the, the warning's for them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Catwoman is pregnant and there's like a, an image revealed from it and this basically confirms this book is essentially going to be like Mr. Miracle and not in continuity. It's going to be this own little 12-issue thing. Well, well it's we, we in King continuity. King continuity. <laughs> well, that is because of... Remember the Michael Lark story sure. from, from that issue? That it was all about his family and there was characters there that we... You know, a daughter of Selena. Hey, and, and given Bruce. how good that issue so, is, if he's just leaning into yeah. that for his last twelve issues, yeah. then that's not bad. I mean, we we heard last week that mm -hmm. it was going to be you know this you know, the the life of of Bruce and Selena from right. first meeting yeah. to death. So of course this makes sense. You know, it's not right. going to be what, traditional continuity. What I will say though, and this is actually a story that's in the uh, the Catwoman 80th anniversary special. So so Tom King's small story is going to be a lead into the uh, the twelve issue book. Nice. So that's where you're going to see this. Uh, what's interesting about this, or I say interesting, uh, stupid about this, is that Catwoman's pregnant in her costume. She's got a big baby bump, and she's still wearing the, the latex Catwoman outfit. That is just silly comic book nonsense. Well, it's it's not actually latex. It's just a a material that looks very similar, but is actually quite stretchy. Sure. So she's still standing on gargoyles whilst what looks like eight months pregnant <laughs> in her outfit. Yeah, Pete, when, from what I understand, when you're that pregnant, you, you can't halt your life unless the doctor puts you on bed rest. So if she's going to go out... When you're places, working in an office building, not jumping off rooftops! Two, two, two things. <laughs> One, while I agree that she looks quite pregnant there, uh, given how pregnant we learned Mira was in this issue of Aquaman, how pregnant she, she looked, yeah. that was apparently only five months. This could only be five oh, months pregnant. Who also, Zabellian uh, physiology is completely different than human yeah, physiology. This is, this is not a comparison Whatever. to bring up with Catwoman. This is a different species. Subspecies at best. No, it is. No, he, you're right, Connor. Like, yeah. Taxonomically speaking, Atlanteans would be either we're subspecies of Atlanteans or Atlanteans are subspecies of us. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's close enough uh, that I'm, I'm assuming the traditional nine months here. Um, <laughs> close enough. I'm glad Carl's not a doctor. We need some blood for this. He's, what is he? He's, oh, he's, he's A. Uh, I've got a B. It's close enough. It's only one off. <laughs> that'll, that'll do. <laughs> oh, I, I could not even tell you what my blood type is. No, 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 no can I? I have, no, I have no idea what my blood type is. <laughs> I am O positive, and uh, I know this because um, I should donate blood, but being a needle phobe, I do not. So uh, yeah. I guess I'm just a big hugging piece of trash yeah i i know that connor will be negative whatever it is because he's always negative but it's just not how it works no connor's <laughs> ib positive not, your personality is not defined by your blood type we, we're not yeah. dealing with this bollocks connor, connor, no you're ib positive ib positive you're not sticking a needle on my arm i like how you right? what i said seriously like i wasn't just cracking a dumb joke you had to I explain just... it I just, I just, yeah, I, I resent that implication that, 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 that there are probably people out there who believe but, that bullshit, like horoscopes. But, 
horoscopes are right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Do you know what? See, when I was younger, I always used to mix up astronomy and astrology, and it used to annoy me because yeah. because one of them is a proper science, and the other one is completely right. stupid. Right. <laughs> you know, the other one's an art form, like like fortune telling, right? Like cold reading and whatnot. Like that's yeah. an art. Like you have to be skilled to do it. It doesn't mean that it's correct. You know what I mean? Like not like science where there's empirical evidence that backs it up you know hmm. um but connor you should really know your your blood type just in case there's an emergency man i mean i'm sure it's on the record somewhere okay <laughs> accident, accident at work and whatnot i'm just saying yeah it's good to know look we have a, a rigorous health system that has my file and will have all the relevant information they need <sighs> right all so right. that's the news unless connor wants to add on something that i've missed no, no, I'm just posting memes. Don't worry about me. That's fine. All right. So now <laughs> it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the most popular segment on Comics from the Multiverse, is the monthly sales figures. And there's some excitement to be had with this one, actually, because Comicron, bless them. Now, they may have started this like a while ago, and I just didn't notice. But you know how we've been having that issue where DC's cardstock variants have been like separated because they're, they're counted as a different price, so therefore they don't count as the same numbers? They have added the fused list functionality. So now we can look at this list with those those covers added together and give us a true sales figure chart for the month of January 2020. We're both we're all excited. I can just feel it in the air. I can I'm feel posting it. the memes. I don't give a shit what you say. Just you, you just jabber on. I'm gonna post about memes about how much I'm bored of sales figures. <laughs> uh, so I will ask the question, uh, what do you guys think was on this Wonder top ten? Wonder Woman, yes. I already saw it. It's, it's Wonder Woman is number one. Uh, yeah, Connor's just trying to suck the fun out of this, so I'm just going to stop. You see it on purpose, actually, though. I just, it just, there was a headline. Yeah, but you say it's always like, I'm just going to ruin this segment, so I'm just going to say Wonder Woman because I know it's Wonder Woman. I just, uh, I've thought about doing that, Connor, for months now, but you're my hero for actually doing it unintentionally. Uh, well, it's fine. <laughs> right, so Wonder Woman is number one. That's issue 750. Batman. Huh, shut up. I'm going to have stuff to say about Wonder Woman, damn it. <laughs> Right, Wonder Woman 750 is number one with 167,000 copies, which is obviously very good. It's a very healthy selling comic right. book. Notably, though, it is a far cry from Detective or indeed Action right. 1000. Action made, uh, sold the most, Detective was a bit less than that. Well, Wonder Woman was much less. Let's not forget. 1,000 more than 750. I was going to say, 750 is only three quarters of 1,000, right. so I know. it's only three quarters of the figure. Shut up. <laughs> and it wasn't three quarters for the record, but anyway. Was it better than three quarters or worse? Worse. No, it, wasn't, it was okay, worse. I wasn't to the it numbers. was worse. Uh, it was less than half, right? It was less than half. So, here's the thing. I feel like there's a, a lot of factors here as to why Wonder Woman 750 and indeed Flash 750 and these 80th anniversary specials won't do anywhere near as much as Detective in Action. First of all, of course, is that actually hitting issue 1000 is actually a lot more prestigious. Um, Action Comics mm -hmm. did more than Detective, despite the fact that Batman almost always outsells Superman, because I think there's some special quality to it being first, right? You know, Action was the first ever superhero yeah. comic to hit issue 1000. So I think it's a little bit lesson for Detective, but that's still a real issue 1000, so it's still did really, 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 really freaking well. Wonder Woman still did good. It still did better than anything else that month. It still did better than... I mean, has Wonder Woman even ever been number one before? I don't know. No, no it actually hasn't. I it hasn't. That's why I know no? this, because the headline was that oh. it was number one for the first oh. time ever. Wow. So there you go. So it, it, it still gave them a huge sales bump. It's still doing... And so we'll still see more of them, but it's not as astronomically, you know, close to half a million that the last 1000s did. So, uh, so that's number one, obviously. Uh, number two... Uh, 
was a, a Marvel number one. I feel like Matt's just like looking at the memes. I just tagged him <laughs> up. <laughs> Have I been tagged? Uh, I tagged yeah. uh, the, the main account in a few, and then there was okay. one I just tagged Matt in there. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, what, what did Marvel have number one? I, I don't know. Something. Oh X-Men. no, Marvel number one. X. Uh, Spider X Man. <laughs> you know the worst part is I probably read whatever it was. Matt, yeah, disappointment to me. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that you didn't get this immediately. It's not Thor. It's Thor. What? That that Donnie Keats moves comics. <laughs> Thor n- number two was Thor, Thor issue one with one hundred and fifty-eight thousand oh. copies. So I actually got really close to Wonder Woman's figure, uh, only about yeah. nine off, nine thousand off. So, but hang uh, on, hang on. Wonder Woman should have been seven hundred and forty-nine times higher. You're making this last longer, Connor. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say nothing in any of the reviews. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I'm just here to, to post memes I'm just looking now. at these That's memes. It. Yeah, he's missing the week without sales figures. So, you know. Uh, I know. So, there you go. That's fine. Anyway, number... I'm going to yell at my wife after this. <laughs> number... <laughs> Matt's wife gets all the all the turmoil from these sales figures. <laughs> uh, number three is another Marvel number one. Oh, what came out? That was a Marvel number one. Something next many. No. Because all those books are in full go. Full swing. Well, one just started like this past week, so it, they're not. Which one started this week? Like Wolverine. Oh, yeah. This is January, though. We're looking yeah, at. yeah, but my point was that they, they, they could have still been going. Uh, was it the Hawkeye one? Nope. No, not Freefall. I don't remember any others. <laughs> was there a new Spider Man book? Uh, I don't think so. Don't think so. No. It was Star Wars issue one. Oh yeah, (laughs) which is which sold ninety seven thousand copies, which is less than a tenth of what the Star Wars issue one from the first batch did. Yeah, it's still a very respectable number and the the appropriate amount for a Star Wars issue one. Oh yeah, Yeah, I agree because that first issue one was uh, how should we say the 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 numbers were cooked. They were cooking the books with that number. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like yes, it was it sold a lot because it was the first time Marvel was publishing Star Wars in a very long time, but also it it was everywhere. Yeah, it was I like think... how everyone had a copy of the '93 uh, X Men. Yeah, the Jim Lee one. Mm-hmm. Like you just were given that as a child. They're like, here, just take this. They just printed enough to just yeah. do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, to be fair, that that one would have always sold more, even without cooking the numbers, would have sold more yeah. just because of. You know, like I say, it was the first, you know, Marvel yeah. Star Wars comic. Oh, yeah. So was, Sharon Cassidy in that first issue. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I expect it would have sold more, but not the million that it did. Like, maybe... Yeah, probably 150, 170. Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, numbers four and five are X-Men four and five. <laughs> so those numbers lined up. Okay. Wonderfully. Uh, 93,000 and 80,000 between them. Interesting, it went down 13,000 for that second uh, issue. I've, I've seen actually a lot of stores say over the past few weeks that the, the straw's broken. Like that's it. Oh no, I I have heard nothing but negative uh, opinions. Like people love toxin pox, but everyone who loved that is is feeling really lukewarm oh. on everything that's came after. Oh, Honestly, I'm seeing the opposite. Really? Like, on Twitter yeah. and stuff, people are really enjoying the the Hickman books. Not not so much the other wow. ones. That's the thing. I was going to say it's not necessarily yeah. the quality of the books that people are not enjoying. From what I'm seeing, I'm yeah. seeing more on a from a retailer side 
where there's just too much they're being flooded and, and oh sure just, you know this like past couple of weeks are the ones where people have got don't don't want them anymore uh, that, no, that makes uh, that, that's... that makes sense that totally makes sense but i have been seeing people who are just like not in love with uh what hickman's doing yeah. right now and it, it tends to play the long game though so i mean i'm sure people who like yes, hickman will end up liking what he does and, and anecdotally i have a friend that was reading all of them after hawks and pox he's like well, i'm gonna jump on the x-men and he's only kept on with I think X Men and Marauders. So however how many I think he picked up Wolverine this week. Mm. I'm not if that was the new one. Like, um, it, it sucks that I, I'm like I'm not even going to bother trying Wolverine because yeah it's 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 Ben Percy that I, I who yeah. I have two and, great Wolverine stories from already and, that I love and Victor Bogdanovich yeah. is in the art. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I felt there's another artist on it as well that I liked. Very um, possibly. Getting um, but I'm right. just like, well, what's the point? Surely it makes so much sense to just have four X Men books or two double shipping books yeah. so that it was one per week. So every time every Wednesday you go to the store, there's your one X Men book and you can keep up with them all because it's nice and easy because it's one per week. But no, there has to be 15 of the bloody things or whatever well, it is. Do you know what I think is, is amazing? That's been comics is... since the 90s. Sure. Uh, Overflooded Xbox. <laughs> X-Men and Avengers, respectively, could be their yeah. entire, like, you know, their entire company. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know how, like, oh, yeah, here, we, we can have Justice League and you can have, you know, all the various character spin-offs and do that and that's kind of it. Marvel, you could have an entire publishing company just dedicated to X Men and X Men books only. Hell, and, there was and an ar- have thirty books a month. There easily. was a there was an argument that like the movie shouldn't even merge. The X Men can just be its own universe because there's so many characters anyway that it, it, you know it's too too messy. There's, you know, let's just keep them separate because uh, they they have enough characters to just fulfill their own universe. To be so fair, that makes that's kind of how Marvel have been treating them anyway. Uh, to a point, yeah, but that's not going to stick forever. Now, now that they've got the rights back, like, you I know, mean, if anything, this Hickman stuff is more removed than ever before. For now, <laughs> I mean, sure, but the point stands. This isn't going to stick. All this Hickman stuff will be, you know, like I would say forgotten about, you, but it's going to be, you know. You say that, but there's a lot of stuff that he did with Avengers and Fantastic Four that is still, you know still plot points in current books so he, uh, he's sure. trying to worsen you that way or you know john's in a, in a completely different way you know john's reshaped green lantern and we're still using those concepts sure sure um, um so. i just you know i i'm going to happily avoid anything that hickman's name is on thank well, you well i just much. yeah as much as i like hawks and Pox, i just don't want to keep up monthly and i know it's a long game but this is such a different x-men than i'm used to Mm-hmm. Like a, a couple of weeks ago, someone posted a thing of a picture, your dream X team together. And it, it made me revisit some of my favorite X-Men eras of like the mid two thousands where they were just, they're putting out so many books that it didn't matter because there's so many new characters and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. The fact that Hickman has streamlined it and they're all, you know, able to be reborn. And what does that mean going forward and stuff? Like it's a cool concept, but I like my X-Men to be superheroes mm-hmm. that are, you know, fighting space gods and whatnot. So yeah, that's it. Numbers four and five. Numbers six and seven are Batman issue 66 and... Sorry, not 66. 86 and 87. Um, and yep. those are 80,000 and 74,000 each now. Not bad, but notably, the numbers haven't bumped back up over 100,000 just because we've removed King and we're on a new run. They've kind of stayed where they were. Because they didn't do it as a new number one, like I was talking about. <laughs> Huh? Uh, fine, whatever. But here's the thing, though. I-, I wonder, like, if there'd be a bump if they went back to legacy numbering, though. I wonder if that would get some people to be like, "Oh, legacy numbering, we can continue on from issue." I mean, we can check when we see next issue, uh, next issue of Wonder Woman. 
that's true yeah, yeah. we can actually we can actually <laughs> see if it does go up uh so yeah so that's uh batman's issues 86 and 87 first two tiny issues number uh was six and seven yeah number eight is another marvel number one is this hawkeye now no <laughs> damn give us a, a corner of the universe that we're in cosmic guardians of the galaxy there you go uh, six, oh, 66,000 copies that did uh, numbers 9 and 10 are Amazing Spider-Man 38 and 37 in that order 57,000 copies each So, just um, before we finish obviously Wonder Woman is double shipping did we get 751 in that month or was it no it was on its own yeah okay. it was on its own I think um, I mean I'll, I'll scroll down just in case but I don't I mean, think just, it was just control F and check I need to lean forward then. All right, I'll control F. Oh, Christ, I'm, not, I'm asking so much. Just, uh, just you know, to Nah, check. it wasn't, nah. Okay. Nah, because the next Wonder Book is Wonder Twins at 221 with 7,900 copies. Better than Wonder Woman 750, though. I mean, some good stories in that. I'm not ready. Yeah, but Wonder uh, Twins is like fantastic. I'm not ready to say that. Uh, number twelve on the fuse list is Batman: Curse of the White Knight uh, with fifty-five thousand copies. I'm just sort of skipping Taylor. I think that's the first time that's been outside the top ten from memory. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly, Thor issue two was number fifteen with fifty-one thousand copies. So obviously, that's a big drop Seat from drop number off. one. Yeah. That's uh, I <laughs> mean, a roller coaster. There's a two-word answer for why variant covers. Yep, that's pretty much yeah. it. Uh, I'm just looking for some notable DC stuff to tell you about. Uh, Joker Harley Criminal Sanity issue 2 was number 23 with 46,000 copies. Uh, Batman Superman was number 24 with 46,000 copies as well. Uh, and Detective Comics was number 25 with 45,000 copies. Um, uh, oh, Detective still did double ship last month, but it's not double shipping in future months because there was only one issue on the last solicits. Well, the last two solicits, I think, only had one detective. Sure? The last one only had one detective. Maze definitely has one Detective Comics issue. What issue was that on there? Uh, this was issues 27 and 20... Oh, sorry, 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 no. 1018, 1019. I was looking at the, the rank, not the... Okay, May has just 1023, <laughs> so... What, what months were those so, issues? So, what's the argument here? I was stretching. I was trying to figure out when it was stopping. Like, yeah. If it was from so, after that. Okay, or... so 18, 19 was January. Yeah. 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, it has to be single from... From now. Yeah, from now, yeah. 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 I knew it was switched. I didn't realise that January was still double. Uh, so that's cool. Um, yeah, Justice League 39, that's Snyder's last issue. It was down at number 31 with 44,000 copies. Uh, you can see there's a lot of 45, 44 thousands down here. They're, they're all very close now. Once you get to this part of the list, they're, they're all kind of within, you know, 10s and 20s and 30s of each other. Uh, Superman, number 34, with 43,000. That's issue 19 uh, from January. Uh, it was a very good issue, in fact, so it's a shame it's not selling a little bit better. It seems like the 40 thousands uh, and the high 30s is kind of where a lot of the bigger books sell now. Um, obviously not the huge books, but a lot of the, you know, the Superman, your action, your Justice League, your detectives, mm-hmm. they're, they're all kind of in that 30 to 40 thousand range. Yeah. Uh, which isn't exciting to look at. It's, I mean, it's consistent for them maybe, but it's not like exciting numbers. Uh, and then, man, Flash. Flash 85 is only 31,000 copies down at number 50. 
can't say really when they start buying it. Yeah, so... Matt, you were still buying it in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you only just dropped it. So so February's numbers will be down even more because Matt stopped buying it. That's the, yeah. that's the lesson here. Yeah. And, see, and again, these don't factor in digital sales either. They don't, so. no. Yeah. No. Right. Which cause no. I was just going to bring up, you know, we we talked last week about the you know the cancellation of of Supergirl, and mm-hmm. you know there's there's always the speculation of okay, is it sales or is there some other reason? I am leaning towards some other reason because apparently there, there are like 28 other books that DC publish that have right. less numbers, at least on the yeah. you know, the, the physical charts. Yeah, uh, Supergirl in January sold 19.7 thousand, uh, which I think it's been kind of in the low 20s for a long time. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, there's there's other books. I mean, Aquaman sold less than that. Aquaman uh, was 113 with 17.7 thousand. I mean, I've got a list here: Nightwing, um, sure, Aquaman, uh, Batman: The Outsiders, uh, thankfully Red Hood, uh, <laughs> Hawkman. Uh, what else have we got? I'm that's seeing, a bit. Batgirl's yeah. down there. That's down to 16 thousand issues sold for January. Yeah, apparently the lowest thing that DC have, um, at least on these last charts, was Dial H for Hero. It's kind of sad because that book's fantastic. Yeah, it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, obviously, like, you hope digital figures do help these books because they should. Um, yeah, I think there's also, there's there's always a consideration of bookstores as well and long-term mm. packaging for the trades. That That is always a factor in some of these books, I'm sure. Yeah, because the rule we've heard before that's just kind of speculation, but you should just add on thirty percent for digital. Uh, I wonder how true that still is, and if it if it, if if it's maybe higher when it's, you get lower on the list. Like, I, I I'm gonna say, given that um that we recently got those comments from Jim Lee that their their digital sales have kind of plateaued. I don't think it's risen much since the that you know speculation came out. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but um, but when you look at a book that's only selling like ten thousand copies, like. It's kind of easier for that to like double its amount with digital than say a book that's selling at eighty thousand copies. You know, yeah, it's easier true. for that to do. So, uh, curious and curious. But anyway, that is the sales talk uh, for the month. Which, despite the resistance, always seems to end up being an enjoyable conversation. Despite uh, the resistance, I just, I, uh, it's only because I, I post all the memes that make it fun. Oh yeah, because that factored into anything. I mean, it factored into me ignoring the first half of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, uh, sales will return next week. Don't you worry. Uh, no, they will not return next week. How dare you? Oh, sorry. Next month. <laughs> next month. <laughs> we'll do, we'll do some sales redux next week. Uh, to some in-depth analysis. Okay, I need a new meme template for this one. <laughs> so that is uh, the sales figures for January, um, and that pretty much wraps up the news and sales and anything else we're going to chat about before we get to books. So yes, let's talk about books then. We'll start off with Deceased, the Unkillables, issue one, Tom Taylor writing with Carl Mostert on the art. This is the first of three issues, oversized issues, which is mm-hmm. a spin-off to Deceased, which we you know just finished a few months ago. Yeah. Wasn't that long ago? Yeah, that's yeah. A, pretty quick. So it's, uh, still won't read it digitally because I ain't falling for the for the anti-life virus. <laughs> um, only only reading it physically, so I, I had to pick it up. Um, I'll say this: that I simultaneously love Tom Taylor and, and hate him. Do you he, know why? Because you made you like your uh, Jason Todd story. He did. <laughs> he did. I, I was going to put that out on Twitter. I couldn't put it into words, so I decided to save it for the show. But if this is how Jason Todd was consistently written, where he's almost Guy Gardner-esque, I would like him. But 
he's not written like this by so, certain other writers. What, what you're saying is, in the hands of competent writers, he's not terrible. Yeah, there's no such thing really as a bad character, right? Just kind of bad creatives. <clears throat> yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Guy Gardner's pretty shitty, so I mean, I don't know if I agree Screw with you, this. Pete. <laughs> uh, honestly, my favorite moment in this book is on the very first page. Yeah, Deathstroke ringing a doorbell with his sword. Oh, sure. <laughs> Just, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, good. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. You know how I, I was really down in the art on the regular deceased book. I wasn't really a big fan of Hearsing's thing. Yeah, now, because you're a terrible person. Now that's not to say that there's no problems in this, but I do like the art much, much better uh, um, than that book. This is too Frank Quietly esque, which I love Quietly's layouts. I have problems with Quietly's faces, where they all have that. Now, don't get me wrong. Sameness. There's a couple of lips. there's a couple of faces in here that I really there's a there's a face adjacent at one point that looks downright absurd. But yeah. uh, generally speaking, I like uh, the art, especially like faces aren't so hot. But luckily, a lot of these characters are wearing masks, so all the characters yeah. in masks look great. It, it works out. It works out. <laughs> um, and the coloring, I really like. Uh, I really like the overall uh, layouts and coloring. So, uh, really good stuff. Uh, so basically, Deathstroke's there. A so basically, this is the moment where the, the virus is, or just after the virus is kind of hit, and Deathstroke's at this house. He's he's hunting down these like neo Nazis for killing uh, yep. a, a church. I think it was people in a church, and yep. he, basically they're all running from this building. That he's he's here to kill them for, and he kills the ones that are running. And he's like, okay, that's weird. Well, why why are they all running in that direction? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, one that jumps out the window, and he's like, oh, I've seen people run before, and then he keeps on trying to run after he's got this shattered leg, and he's like, yeah. well, that's new. Yeah. Yeah. So he opens a door, and it's just a flipping cannibal corpse cover of yeah of zombies. People. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So we get a, a nice little action sequence of Destro just like going through them with his katanas and uh, you know his guns and whatnot. And uh, I don't feel bad because they're Nazis. Exactly. But then, <laughs> like, yeah. like that comment, you know, the 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 thing he says there, you know, a house full of of Nazi effing zombies. Yeah. The worst of the undead combined with the worst of the living. But then he yeah, checks. Then his... just goes to town. But then he yeah. checks his phone to see what's going on, and the anti-life virus yeah. gets him. So, but here's the thing: so it goes to black, and then the next page starts off in black, and then we get kind of his vision comes back to him, and we find out that his healing factor actually cures him of the zombie virus. So he was only a zombie for you know whatever amount of time. A day. Yeah. Yeah, because it says day two by mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. And and he snaps out of it, and he. Um, he realizes something something is amiss. Yeah. So he goes to get Rose, which anytime I can see Rose, it's good. I do need to go finish the, the priest Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah um, I've got the last like two arcs to read. Um, but we, you know, I feel like I might just do a, a reread through the whole thing. Yeah, we're not at Rose Data, we're, we go to Jason next who arrives in the uh, oh, that's right. the Batcave uh, and finds the dead bodies of, of Dick, uh, Bruce, and Damien. Uh, Tim. I said Tim, yeah, sorry. Uh, Damien survived, quite right. That, that's uh, a, yeah, that was, a, that was a problem with the art here, is that that looks very much like Damien's. It, it does look I like Damien. I think it's the bit around the hood that looks like yep. it's Damien's yeah. collar and rather I, than I, Tim's hood. I think it's also the height. I feel like he looks too short yeah. <laughs> compared to the yeah, other two. Yeah, that too, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I do like what he does here, where Ace comes in, of course, which, which is good. I, I fear for that dog now, you know, horror movie rules and whatnot. Uh, but and he buries uh, the three of them. Did you, so, you kind of get the feeling that that, that Taylor got some uh, an advanced preview of last week's Pennyworth R.I.P. Maybe. Saw the last page and went, "Screw you! I'm giving Jason his moment." Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he could. Well, I mean, it's worth mentioning that the painting on the wall also has Cass in it, which is actually a nice bit of foreshadowing because yeah. Cass actually ends up being one of the main characters 
uh, that gets mm-hmm. introduced in a little bit, uh, which is nice. At that point, normally, well, we're stiff then. Like, let's not, let's not, not give Steph for a moment. How dare you? Uh, because this is the interesting thing here is because at first I thought this book was going to be mainly the villains, that, you know, in their story throughout uh, Deceased. But it does actually introduce some other characters who we didn't get to in Deceased, but such as Cass and Jim Gordon and a few others right. uh, that we get to soon. Because oh. uh, yeah, uh, Jim Gordon's scene is rough. Because Red Hood, you know, goes into the Batman, but he's like, okay, uh, is there any Bat family members in the city? And uh, it says, like, there's eight. And he's like, yeah, but how many have heartbeats? And it's like two. And it's like, oh, okay, which two? Who's alive? Uh, and, you know, that's what leads him to Cass, which is really cool. Uh, so he drives poor off. Poor Bullock. Poor Bullock, yeah. Well, we go to Rose first. Rose uh, uh, yeah. gets out of her Ooh. apartment. Because she can't leave, though, because she keeps getting, you know, that her power of, mm-hmm. of premonitions keeps ending up terribly. So, you know, she, she does get out. They, you know, he steals a, a helicopter, a death stroke, yeah. to get her. It crashes, and then we get to the really interesting aspect of this, um, and that's why I love Tom Taylor. Yeah, Zombie Man that, Bat. <laughs> well, no, not just that, you know, because yeah, Zombie Man Bat crashes the the copter. I like you but know no. how you know they got Rose out of it by just okay. Well, if your if your powers are saying don't go through the door, come out the window. We'll just go around right. it. Yeah, she right. got the fire escape, yeah. Right. Uh, so we have this crash and like they're kind of like trying to figure out what to do and that's when uh, Mirror Master shows up right. in the reflection and it's like, yeah, he's safe because he's in the reflective world. And he's like, hey... The reflective world? You mean the mirror world? The mirror world, whatever. Uh, and he's like, hey, like you know, we're here to make you a, 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 an offer from a Vandal Savage and I'm sure it'll yep. extend to your daughter. So if you want to come with me, these goggles will protect you from the anti-life equation uh, and we'll go through it. And we actually get this great full page spread of like, all these you know various reflections in the mirror world. And he's like, try not to look at them. It's kind of a, a depressing sight right now to look at. <laughs> pretty. Yeah, what's going on in the world? Yeah. So they end up in this uh, Vandal Savage's base, which he tells a story about a, a tree lobster, which, of course, I looked up. Of course you did. And it, it's a real thing that these this, this species of insect got wiped out by rats. This is an ch- uh, island chain off of Australia, except in, in, I think, the 1940s. In this very isolated island, they found very few of them, and they're, you know... Now there's a conscious effort to that's, keep that. This might have led intact. to my like most hilarious like sequence of panels in the book because yes. we get so it interests that they've got a team of villains here already. We've got Solemn Grundy, uh, Creeper, mm-hmm. Cheetah, Captain Cold, Shiva, Bane, and Deadshot. And yeah, they all have a little description as well, which yeah. is the dead thing was that Matt was bringing up. Yeah. Um, and Creeper basically says, "Oh yeah, we're tree rot lobsters. We're going to be the tree lobsters. We're going to survive in secret yeah. until this you know apocalypse you know passes by." And he's like, I made hats. Yeah, I was, I, no, I made a t-shirt, and we see Solemn Grundy wearing "I'm a Tree Lobster," and he's like, I've got hats too. And he's like, I'm halfway through writing this theme song. I know we're technically super villains, but do you think it's too much of a stretch to call us mobsters? Because it would really help with rhyming in the chorus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is why I love Tom Taylor. That in a book that gets as dark as this one is, right? We just had Jason bury the Bat Family, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like six, seven pages before. Right. Yeah, that. And, and now here we get. Not only do we get a a science nerd moment, but we get a joke with Solomon Grundy wearing I'm a tree lobster shirt. Do you know, that that, that joke, I mean, this was all very funny. I was really into this and like, yeah. he, he made me like the creeper, I don't think I've ever liked before. <laughs> he made me like the creeper like three Ooh. panels. I always thought of the creeper as an anti-hero. Sure. I mean, he like, kind of is for the most part. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so to call him a, a de facto villain, I think, eh, it's all I mean, far. To be fair, depending on the time, you can kind of say the same about Cold and 
Deadshot as well. No, but but those two are always firmly in the villain pool, that they're almost anti-villains at that point. Sure. You know what I mean? It's a weird... But this this panel, this joke with the, the mobsters, like, made yeah. me laugh so much. Like, this was a genuinely yeah. laugh-out-loud moment. So good. Where... And I think that what makes it really work is he doesn't explain anything here. He just says mobsters, and it would help with the rhyming. Uh-huh. And then in your own head, you go, wait, what? Lobsters. Lobsters. Oh, and it's funny because you have to do yeah, that, fin- yeah. that final little tiptoe step. You have to do it yourself yeah. in your head. Yeah, because yeah. you, know, you just get your mobsters rhyming with what? And then, you know, you know look yeah. back up. If you, if you, you know, with a tree lobster. Literally, you, you, you raise your eyes half an inch and you see that I'm a tree lobster t shirt and you go, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it makes yeah. it funnier because it lets you do the last little bit yourself. And uh, then we go to Gotham and Cass is in the police station uh, helping oh. Gordon. He's, she's the only bat that's coming. And can I just say that she's in her Batgirl outfit and I love it. And thank you, yeah. uh, Taylor and Co. for this. Uh, I'm going to play his button. Yeah. He, he gets his sound bite here. Do it. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> so, um, he, patron saying a mild fuzz. Yep. So, um, yeah, and and the 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 characterization of of Cass is there where she speaks in short sentences, mm-hmm. where it feels like she's a little bit more advanced than where she is right now, but not much. So, um, I do like that. So she'll be able to communicate with with the rest of them. But that, so they end up escaping with with his help because he, oh boy. But Jason, <laughs> Jason took the yeah. car, which he was never allowed to to drive, so he's still still being that you know, jerk Robin, and he crashes it through the through the in, in his defense. How many times has Bruce crashed through a wall? No, he has, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then so it starts shooting. So the Gordon realizes he does a quick math that that's not Batman, um, and, and whatnot. Uh, so he wants to find his his daughter yeah. and i thought this was another cool moment with taylor where he yeah gordon's like yeah i kind of always suspected but i i always just played along yeah because he, he uh, you know because he says i want to find barbara and jason's okay. like oh uh, give us barbara's heartbeat or heart signal yeah. and it's you know it's flatlined and you know Cass is like oh no that's, that's the first thing you actually hear from her maybe it's yeah. just her saying oh no 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 she had one line before and uh, which told Gordon to act now okay right. uh, after, after Bullock got but you know attacked the uh you know she's like wait a minute okay so first of all he's doubting it but then he's like wait, why do you have like a right. monitor on my daughter and Jason's just like okay you don't have to you know Batman's not here let's not play the game right. anymore and he's taking off his helmet and he sees him and he says he sees but you're Jason Todd and Cass takes down our helmet and just says hello and he's yeah. like Cassandra Kane and then Gordon just like rubs his eyes and says Bruce Wayne Dick Grayson Tim Drake Damien Wayne Barbara Mate, no. <laughs> and are they all like yeah. gone? And it's like da- then, Damien was alive last he checked but that's it yeah we know right. he is because we, we sort of obviously yeah, read yeah, that yeah. Right. but I mean they well, don't know that and we knew about Babs because of, of the poison ivy scene, which I like how this intersects with that. Is that when they find Barbara's body, she's all tied up by the ivy vines. Yeah, because Gordon's not willing to ex- just accept. He wants he has nope. to see it. He has to know for sure. Right. Yeah. And so I actually, before we get to that as well, I realized at the moment where Gordon's like, "Hang on, why am I monitored?" And Jason's like, "You know, I mean, Bruce mm-hmm. is kind of terrible at expressing himself, but this was, you know, You're, his way of going. No, Bruce thought of you as family. You know, he, he, you know, really, you know, did care." Yeah. But, uh, and that answers what the two heartbeats were. Gordon was right. the second one. Yeah. Uh, yep. So really, really cool. Uh, yeah, it's nice that it intersects with that poison episode. Actually, actually it's, it's during this scene though. Uh, Jason's face is the close up when he's in the hood. 
and he says yeah. it should have been me that i don't know what's going on with his face in that pay that panel but holy shit it looks bad it's because the mouth is tiny yeah and I, yeah. I i i typically like this art quite a bit but holy crap that face uh yeah. i was not feeling uh, yeah oh. i feel like about most of the faces unfortunately in the issue yeah i'm not feeling that but uh, that's this yeah. one face i did have a problem with yeah it's the art serviceable it's it's fine i didn't mind the hair sign art for the most part in the original mini I, I, I might prefer it to that just because, you know, taste is being different and whatnot. But yeah. But yeah. Um, however, I got a good laugh here when Jason ties Joker's body to the Batmobile. Uh, How big is this Batmobile? <laughs> Pretty big, apparently. Yeah. I, I, I get that sense to... of scale until here. Yeah. where yeah. Like, I mean, sure, it's bigger than a regular car by a bit. Right. But I, you know, I assume that when it crashed through the wall, whatever. But up until he's, you've got a body strung on the front of it. I didn't well, quite get the sense of scale. That's a great thing. They get to Bloodhaven and they end up like tracking people to like there's people in this oh, building yeah. where the school buses yeah. are. Uh, eventually, we find out it's orphans, of course, yeah. yeah. But uh, when they get in, they realize it's orphans. Uh, Gordon just kind of like goes to Jason, "Hey, maybe do you want to remove the corpse of the psychotic clown from the hood of the car? <laughs> Since there's kids around <laughs> now." And he's oh, just like, good. "Yeah, oh, all right, yeah." Uh, yeah. That was good. So some of these kids are actually really smart and they've been kind of holding people off, and it's yeah. like, okay. We're going to help you. We're not going to leave you behind. Um, and this is kind of where the book ends. And it's like we're going to get through this together. Uh, they, um, the kids mentioned that you know the, there was a super, there was a hero here who reinforced the doors. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, bent the bat. Do, do we know who that is? I, I, no, I never. Quite I think quit. so. I mean, what super strength people did we not see in deceased? Or maybe we did see them, and this is something they could have done well, during the, the plot. The, the key is that it's in Bloodhaven. That's why I was named Bloodhaven, and we know it's a woman. Right. It's a blockbuster? Wasn't there a lady blockbuster? There was a lady blockbuster I mean, at one point, wasn't there? Yeah, I'm forgetting yeah. this is kind of just like whatever continuity he wants to take from. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it literally could be anybody, right? It could be yeah, Orca, yeah. right? I, feel, I mean, it could have been. I was just wondering if anyone had any, I don't, like, oh, like that, that's yeah. who that one must be. I'm not convinced it's someone that's related to Bloodhaven. I, I, yeah. I feel like it might just be someone who we've not seen yet that they're going to do a big reveal for later. Uh, because if it was someone that we knew, they would just say, oh, it was Wonder Woman. Oh, it was, you know, insert other strong, because when they reinforce the door, there's like a beam tied around the, the the handles of the door, keeping the zombies at bay. So someone had super strength. Yeah, or I was like, I was thinking gadgets. maybe there was someone in that, you know, League of Villains group with Savage that, oh, maybe they thought she was yeah. a hero, but it wasn't. But I mean, it's no one cheetah. there has. This, yeah, it's Cheetah, but they would have mentioned that she looked like Cheetah, right? right. And Shiva. I don't think as as strong as she is a fighter. I don't think she has the strength right. to just bend bars like that. No, no. So, yeah. but it, it's probably it could be something up up the sleeve, you know, be, of yeah. Taylor. So, um, but no, really, really fun issue. Um, I hate that he made me like Jason Todd, which then now he's the only the second writer to make me like Jason Todd after Judd Winnick. Because I didn't hate when when Winnick brought him back and you know under the cowl. I don't. Like yeah, under the cowl. Last days. Of, or, or new days whatever it was which was it explained the him coming back i don't and it was all a particularly uh, a thing. i wouldn't particularly say that i like jason todd in this issue but he does not detract from anything uh because yeah. he's not written to be annoying uh and i like this issue quite a bit because it felt like he was doing like using mirror master in the mirror world to explain how some other villains are surviving because they're using these tricks uh explaining how some of these other characters and what they're up to it's like he's basically it's like he finished writing deceased right you know however many months ago he he Mm -hmm. wrote the final issue and went hey what about all these other characters that i didn't talk about what could they be up to during this time and then that's what this this mini is it's just like oh this these characters are all doing 
Also, we we skipped over Vandal Savage basically saying he's like, yeah, I'm fifty thousand years old. I've seen I've seen, I've seen all this events. shit before. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna survive. It's just how how hard how many of us in this room are gonna what are you willing to do, yeah. basically? So which I liked and, um, but yeah, but it makes me wonder. Like we saw Flash sub come to it. We've seen uh, Superman. Like, what's Sheeter gonna do? Like, is is it because she's powered by Miss Katega? Inherently immune to it. I think it's just because no. she's Sheeter. She wasn't looking at a lot of screens. Yeah, right, right. That could be it too. She's hiding around. Like Shiva, I get. She, she, she's hiding out in the jungle. There's no no Wi-Fi. Yeah. She's uh not not seeing that. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I just I I think this is a really fun, playful thing where he Taylor's basically just said, "What else can I do with this concept with other yeah. DC properties?" And he's just he's just going through a bunch of ones, and they're all fun to read, and it just feels yeah. so creative the way he's going through it. So, um, yeah, I'm not but surprised. Feel... I'm not... This read so fast. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. did. I, I'm not surprised. And it's like a double sized issue as well. It's just not it's not short. Oh, I got to the end of this and went, "Wait, am I done already?" Like, like genuinely, I was like, I thought I'd only um, read like one issue's worth, let alone, you know, two. With with all the darkness that they've been doing with the Dark Multiverse, there's still an ounce of hope in this. Yeah. Right? And not just because we know from Deceased how that ended, but even with the way this is written here, like, there might be an ending that works out for these characters where the Dark Multiverse doesn't have that, and I think that's refreshing, especially right now when I know I'm tired of Batman Who Laughs and, and that whole thing. So to see a dark place, but there's still hope, that's really a skill, and I think Taylor's nailed it. Yeah, and I think we're all sick of Batman Who Laughs. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll kind of put up with him for the rest of you know Hell Arisen and Death Metal. Like, sure, well, Death Metal makes sense, and and you know, and Hell Arisen's like, sure, it's already yeah. going on. And Snyder yeah. has said though that after Death Metal, well, he probably won't be seeing Batman House now. He said probably, which is always the key word. Well, but, yeah, plans can change, right? Mm. So. But he understands people are getting fatigued, I think, with it as with anything. So yeah, well, I was but, fatigued yeah. at least six months ago, if not earlier. Sure. Yeah, well, so. I'm, I'm you didn't, just, you yeah. didn't suffer through the mini. Heat, like yeah, I because I was so. already fatigued, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm so. good." So, uh, no, and Unkill- Unkill- deceased unkillables number one is uh, unsurprisingly great. So, uh, Matt, what are you giving it? I'm giving this a solid eight point five. Connor. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the nine just because it it was a uh, particularly funny amongst all the the great other bits. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the nine as well. I think Taylor's just he's got a way of just making everything fun to read, and I, I feel like you know get give give him some good big ongoing books, please. I, I, he's got Suicide Squad. Give him another one, right? <laughs> give him another one. Give him some big juicy exclusive contract. I don't care what you have to do. Just get it always on board. impresses me how dialogue light his stuff can be like there, there are an entire pages in this with maybe like two or three lines between them and which is why it feels so quick to read but like every line feels impactful and yeah. or, or funny well, or something he's i think he's a skilled writer in that is that he, so like snyder loves to pack the page like bendis does yeah whereas taylor gets the quippiness right and and i don't know maybe because he works on cartoons too like there's just something there that it's easily digestible. 
So it makes it like a, a quick and this, read or whatever. There's something because every be, book of his like this or that I've read is like this. There's something to be said for each word feeling more important because there's less words overall. You know when yeah. you know when you go through a few panels and there's no dialogue to one speech bubble that's just got one quick sentence. That one quick sentence really hits. It's like okay, this feels important what she just said or what he just said because of yeah, what, I, what we're I doing next. Think- that page with the creeper is the most dialogue in one go in the book. And that's yeah. just like this one long joke. Well, and it's and, just funnier and funnier as it goes well, on. And he's, and he's got word vomit. Like you could tell, like if this was a movie, he's just completely taken over the scene. Oh yeah. And, this is, this is uh, the beast boy type of yeah, dialogue. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Oh my God. Tom Taylor, teen Titans. Give it to me. Hook it into oh. my veins. I need him writing <laughs> Starfire. Cause I need to read Starfire again. Oh, if only. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, Deceased and Kills number one. We'll move on. So Batman 89, no, yeah. not to be confused with the Tim Burton movie. <laughs> um, this is uh, written by James Tynion the fourth with art, thankfully, but not by uh, Gillian March, although it does the little two-page backup at the end. That's fine, yeah. whatever. I'll accept that. But uh, Carlo Pugilane on the on the main art. Yeah. Uh, he was the guy who was on the Deathstroke book with Priest for a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is, just continuing the story, you know, we've got the, the fake Joker in the grave. Uh, which Harley points out it's not really him, and Catwoman was pretty sure of it, you know. Uh, yeah, I just, love just how like she's the like, rest of us. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, that poor guy. He, you know, he really fell in with the wrong crowd, and I didn't do anything to help him, but I feel bad for him. Like, <laughs> I love that version of Harley, um, which I, man, I don't like that that Cedric has made me kind of a Harley fan, because now I'm more open to it, and it's driving me nuts. Mm. So, I, I like I like Tynan's Harley here. Now, I have heard the critique with Harley just in general for the last few years, and it kind of it, it came to my mind as I was reading this because we're still kind of doing it. Is how there's really only one Harley story that they've really been doing for a long time, yeah. And that's that she's over the Joker and she's trying to be her own person, and it's kind of yeah. just been that for a while, yeah. Right, everything's kind of boiled down to that. Well, because I mean that she was created on the show. To, to have uh, a, a female antagonist, right? So the model after Joker. I, I don't so, really think that's a fair critique. No, because it. that's not what the Connor and Palmiotti is about, right? No, I, I mean, mean it initially, starts, like you know, the first like handful of issues, sure, is is uh, that sets up why she's off on her own, living in you know, New Jersey or wherever it was. Right. But then it became no. These are her adventures living there, and that's what it was hey, about. I, I've not read most of this stuff, so I can't necessarily say how accurate that is. No, but, but, but I get it because what what hits the public consciousness is you know not everybody is going to read the Connor and Palmiotti, but more people are probably going to read Batman. Where now they're seeing this, you know. But but then you look at White Knight, and that's not that, you know. Um, no, but I mean even her, that that Harley and Ivy mini we just had isn't about her getting no. away from the Joker in any sense. It's, it's just about, about her trying to be a good guy. Yeah, it's about her trying to be better, sure, which, right. I mean, yes, is a post-Joker reaction, but not in, not in a directly it, caused by that. And it's yeah, more, you know, her trying about, to be a good friend, to you know, and, to and you know, bring Ivy back to who she was. Right. So, but I will say here, I like this because it's going to set up Punchline, which the, the, the guy that works at my shop says, I hate this book. I go, it wasn't, I read it today. It wasn't that bad. And he's like, no, it was the, I kid you not, line of 10 people showing up to buy this issue today because of Punchline. Oh yeah, my uh, shop was sold out of this on Sunday. Yeah. Um, like before, you know, before they came out, they were like, we're good, we're stopping anyone else. We, we haven't got any issues left. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they anyone who had it on their pull, any regulars, yeah. they kept got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first, but he was annoyed because Punchline is in it for 
half a panel, if that. Two yep. two half panels. Okay. And, and <laughs> that wasn't my original point. I just threw that in there as a, yeah. as a side jaunt. But I do like that Tynan is setting up the difference between Harley and Punchline now. Yeah, Punch- is that Punchline seems more like an operative where she's like yep. out doing stuff and she's been all covert about it. Like it doesn't feel like Harley at all. It feels no. Nope. I actually I think I she's get where Matt's coming from though. In in setting up, yeah. okay, this is what Harley was, and you know, reminding yep. us, okay, this is her past with the mm. Joker, and she was right. kind of what Punchline is now. So that when we see Punchline properly, the the difference will be really clear. Yep. Oh yeah, sure. No, it's fine. And, so, I wasn't, and I wasn't complaining that we're kind of still doing Harley getting over the Joker or moving yeah. on from the Joker stuff uh, in this particular context. Yeah. But now that it's in my mind, it's something that I'm going to be actively thinking about every time she shows yeah. up now. Like, are we still doing that with her? Is she doing something else? Is she I doing mean, something different? It is a fair thing, but I also think that you're you're fully in control of that narrative, right? Like, you, you could you could not think about that, Pete. You know, it's like meditation. No, I, 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 I don't think that's a fair thing. If it's something I'm feeling because that's what they keep doing, which I'm not yet, admittedly, I'm saying that right. I've seen this observation and it stuck out to me when I was reading this issue. I'm not saying that I'll necessarily feel that myself, but if it's something that does stick out to me, I can't just ignore it. It'll be something that bothers me because I'll feel it's a lack of creative, you know, ideas. Um, I'm not there yet, I, but it's, it's yeah. something that I will say though, that I do like that the the vibe of, of the villain story in this of they all got together and had this job and now someone's coming back to clear them all out is such a pulp detective story. Oh, sure. Thing, yeah. Right. I actually, I really like the opening. Uh, it's just the, uh-huh. the, the, the doctors in the, in the hospital just kind of complaining that, uh, Gotham's kind of a shithole and how scary it is. And, you yeah. know, Bruce Wayne's trying to rebuild half the city. One guy's against it. The other woman's not, just kind of for it. Yeah. And uh, Penguin comes stumbling in, bleeding from his stab wounds, and sort of threatens the doctor to make sure he's healed. He'll pay him a hundred yep. grand if he keeps him alive through the night and call this number. Um, I, I thought this issue, maybe it's because the art's much better, because it is. Yep. <laughs> that's that's yep. what, first and this, foremost. This issue was a, a joy to read, because I wasn't struck. Like, again, I feel sometimes we beat up on March too much, because it's just not our thing. And then you get to that last page, and you go, oh, that's why. Thank you. Because then seeing up against... Pagulian, if, if I'm even saying it right, I gotta look at it when I say Pagulian. Pagulian. Then compared to March, and you're like, yeah, no, there's this is a steep drop off. Well, what I was trying oh. to say though is that this issue kind of starts off with such a great momentum because you have, you have this in the hospital which starts off cam for a page, then Penguin comes, tra- you know, r- rambling in, and we're kind of reminded <sighs> of where we were in the story last issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we immediately go to a motorbike sort of, not even a chase, like Batman's like attached to the motorbike with a grapple gun and is skidding along mm-hmm. the, the ground. And it's, you know, that's over the top action scene. And it sort of gives you a sense of just how much chaos is going on in the city during the, this one night. And Batman's like, this isn't working. This guy, whoever's behind all these assassins is ahead of us. And this is supposed to distract us. Uh, so he, he takes down uh, Gunsmith. And we get a little bit of backstory as to why this guy's called Gunsmith. Right. Uh, I like that. He's and I love the shot at, at the his type of characters. He never actually served in the military, but he loves to, you know, project like he did. Mm, yeah. You know, and and that he was able to piece together a gun. Like he's still good at what he does, but it, he's not exactly. He's not what he's trained to be. the way he pretends. To no. Be. Yeah. Um. And and then the the, the tooth guy, his story that the is stuff guy, of nightmares. Mr. Teeth. <laughs> Mr. Teeth. Um. I was trying to remember what what his original nickname was where they were finding bodies with the teeth removed and sewn into the stomach. Yeah. They called him the, the tooth eater. Tooth eater. Yeah. The tooth eater. Ugh. 
yeah gross so yeah that's another one that we get to later and we have some of harley and a catwoman sort of catching up after yeah. you know fighting uh I, I do like the panel where harley blocks an arrow that's about to hit mm-hmm. catwoman's head uh she puts her uh, the handle of her mallet right in front and it's uh yeah. merlin and she i did actually I, do you know what this was actually kind of a funny moment i laughed out loud at shiva yelling at merlin for monologuing is like, come yes. on just kill him already <laughs> like right <laughs> which from which that reminded me of, uh, sounds almost like one of your complaints on arrow where there was always the monologue. Oh, of, yeah. Right? The so like Titan was very much making fun of that. Yeah. But it felt true to yeah. Shiva just to be really impatient yeah. and just be like, come yeah. on, just See, get this done with. Shiva's, Shiva's another one that I like when they kind of play up her more heroic side. Like mm-hmm. we're getting a Batman and the Outsiders, right? Where, sure. not not heroic, but she does have a conscience. She's one of the greatest killers in the, you know, it's, it's DC universe. Kind of similar to Deathstroke in that yeah. like, if you pay him to do a, a, a job for the good guys, he'll have no qualms of doing that. Right. And so I like that with Shiva's like, we're just doing a job. You're making it more difficult with your showboating. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, like I, I will say, I didn't click to me that this person at the bottom was punchline until the end of the issue when we get like right. another call. Or yeah, the call yeah. with uh, I just go like, who's this with the binoculars? What's yeah. going on? Because uh, it's you know it's very intentionally very kind of unrevealing. It's just you see like a bit of a mm-hmm. head and just a hand and all the rest yeah. of it. And I've not studied like punchlines like designs that have came out to yeah. know that this is her. Man, people have already gotten punchline tattoos. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a bit much. Like, I, it I, is I've a bit much. Like, I've seen like you know cosplay has been done already and like yeah. sure go for it why not it's you know because but tattoos really are pretty per- that as a design yeah tattoos okay, are pretty it per- was however it was on reddit and it could have been faked so let sure. me have you out that yeah it could but have been fake but it was made to look like someone got a punchline tattoo the character may suck the, i mean i don't think she will but the character may be terrible that's always a possibility mm-hmm. it, it's like when a new star wars movie's coming out and people will buy all the new droid toys and stuff and i'm like yeah. but what if this ends up in like another prequel like what what have you done with yourself well, stop but, it again Here's Pete's anti-Star Wars bias again because um, the that character might suck, but the droid might be the droids might rule. Like K two is easily the best part of of that movie. Yeah, the fact that he didn't like K two is just yeah despicable. And also, what came out of the prequels is that we got new Clone Wars dropped you know this week. Yeah, yeah. I'm clearing I'm clearing (sighs) time out. So I start. Watched, yeah, I because I know it's the Bad Batch stuff, and it's on those. I I watched the unfinished arcs years ago. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I'm excited so to good, see more done properly, right? And I wanted, yeah, I wanted Jason Aaron. I told him uh, when I met him, like Scar Squadron. I would love if you did Bad Batch, and he was kind of familiar with Bad Batch. He goes, "Yeah, something's in the work for that." And I go, "Well, I figured because I saw the unproduced, you know." Yeah. But, oh, so man. the fact to yeah, finally see. Bad all right, Batch I'm capping this right now. All right. Yeah. Capping this right now. That's your fault for for trying to slander Star Wars, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You do that. We're gonna bring up some positive. <laughs> yep. Star Wars is shite there. Moving on. Mr. Tooth with his pliers. Uh, yep. But a proper horror movie stuff here. Uh, I think Tynan's definitely going for it. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I'm liking the banter more and more between Batman and Lucius. Um, I like that. problem was when he called him Mr. Wayne over the comms. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But what I did like, though, is that when he gets to the recording of Riddler in this mystery character, who we later find out from Harley's called Design, or Catwoman, I think, says he's called Design. Designer. Yeah, uh, the designer uh, is that he mentions that he, he notices that Riddler's giving him these like hand signs behind his back, and it's this you know this particular type of sign. And Lucius is like, "Wait a minute, you've got something in the curl that helped you do that." There's no way you just figured that out. And I kind of like the imagery that's conjured here when Batman says that you know when he was patrolling before, Alfred would like sort of like kind of like 
teach him this stuff and like like help him practice. Just when he's mm-hmm. out, he's out in the, the the rooftop. When he was on stakeout. Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's waiting yeah. for things to happen. He will sit with Alfred over the. Co- I just I love the idea of like Alfred like almost like giving him like uh, a practice test for like an exam. You know, yeah. like oh, over the comms. Yeah. yeah, he is his mentor. Like for all intents and purposes, you know, Alf- Batman only exists because of Alfred. Yeah. So so we have the uh, the the bat spawn, the drones that get sent out, uh, which Deathstroke's not impressed with. We end the issue with uh, <laughs> well, not apart, apart from the last two pages. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Harley and Ivy show up with Chester and and uh, what do you call him, uh, Marilyn, uh, knocked out. And they're like, okay, we need to talk. Catwoman's like, yeah, we need to talk about the designer and something we already did. So the, her final word is, I, I'm sorry, because she knows what she's about to tell him is going to break his heart. Uh, Harley is just kind of being the third wheel. And <laughs> she's like, yeah, there's a jo- whole Joker thing coming, by the way, that's separate to all this stuff that's, that's going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. Uh, final page is just the uh, the Gillen March page where punch punchlines on the phone to Joker saying, Hey, they saw the grave, but there's something else distracting them all right now. They're not paying attention to you. And he's like, oh, that's fine. There's a few other things to do still. Uh, but notably on his board behind Joker... Says, it's not that there's other things to do. It's there are a few other people he needs to talk to first, which I, I think know, is I was, relevant. I was just paraphrasing. I know, but I think that's relevant given what the board is. Right. Uh, so, yeah, on the board, though, he has... Uh, you know, Nightwing, the Robins, Batgirl, all there. But notably, though, he has all the real names and photos of the real yep. people. So he knows that Nightwing is Dick Grayson. He knows that, you know, Red Robin's Tim. He knows that Jason's, you know, Red Hood, blah, blah, blah. He knows who all these people are, which... So if we're speculating if he knows definitively that Bruce Wayne is Batman, I feel like he probably does now with this information. I feel like if, you, if you've got all that information already, it's kind of impossible not to know. Well, it also don't forget Tynan came from Snyder, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's his mentor, and that that was the main story of of the death in the fam or death of the family, was that Joker knew but didn't care. So now what happens when he does yeah. care? That was actually also a thing as well in the the final arc of Snyder's stuff. Um, you know when when yeah. Bruce had no memories and it was yeah. you know about this you know that it didn't matter who he was and and you know right. the, the same for Joker there. Yeah, I will say, I, I don't know how much I like Joker using this stuff because I do like the idea that he just doesn't care. Like, it doesn't matter who he is under the mask. Cause he's, I think it's interesting, he's Batman. Though, in coming in the wake of, of Superman unmasking himself, he's like, it's more, he wants to one-up Superman, right? If if he's inspired by Superman revealing who he is, then I'll give it points for letting that stuff I mean, sort yeah. of... You we know. already had that. That was in the, the very first epilogue stuff we got. Right. Um, was, uh, you know, the one that was, I think, in Batman 85 um that was you know a henchman looking at the, the news and being like hey look this is just happening and, and joker was yeah. like oh okay then yeah okay yeah fair fair uh so we'll see how this goes i kind of like the joker like I, and this is something i actually love about the dark knight the movie is that joker isn't really a part of the main plot but he forces his way into it like you know there's a whole yeah. plot going on with batman tracking down you know these money the, the money smuggling and the, the all the the, the mob mm-hmm. and all their money uh, like right, right here we have this plot with a designer who's this big bad who's got all these assassins and joker is kind of on the background just now but you kind of get the feeling that he's eventually going to force his way in and become the focus because he's the goddamn joker and he's not going to let batman like waste his time on some other you know b plot by his by his viewpoint you know it would be really interesting because obviously we know this is coming into joker war um it'd be really interesting if that kind of forces the end of this arc unnaturally like the story doesn't Mm -hmm. actually finish and and it's just joker yeah yeah 
It was actually kind of genius when yeah. you think about it. Yeah, I, I, that's why I love about Dark Knight. I love that Joker forces his way into the... He's not supposed to be the main plot of that movie, but he, he makes sure that he is. He forces right, his way into it. because he really has nothing to do with Harvey Dent cleaning up Gotham. Yep. And whatnot. He's a side player. But then when he sees his... Well, this is the time to act. You know, you know, yeah. Man, now I want to watch Dark Knight again. Oh, you should. I mean, so many more things. <laughs> And so many other things I need to get watched, but oh, man. So I can't talk. I'm over here rewatching all the Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. There's a yeah. new one coming. That I didn't realize this week that was directed by Kerry Fukunaga. So yeah, yeah. yeah. actually, great. just something to tackle at the Batman issue here is that we got some more photos of the Batman suit from the movie, uh, the set photos. Uh, which, by the way, they're shooting in Glasgow. Using Glasgow as Gotham is actually quite inspired. I never thought about it before, but it's, it? it's actually quite a good idea. Yeah, it's an yeah. industrial city, so it kind of. The works. There's no gargoyles. Don't like get using, me wrong, but well, no, but that's like using Pittsburgh. Yeah, industrial city makes sense. Um, I I hope this is not the final bat suit because I I understand that he wants it to look like samurai armor. Mm-hmm. You know, with the arrows and whatnot, and it looks too bulky, and he looks like Owlman. There's a lot. Of, there's <laughs> a lot of caveats here, right? Of course, this is you know a set photo that's not lit properly. The, the cape. Yeah. The cape. The cape presumably is going to be CG. That's not there yet. Yeah. There's all these things to think about. That said, right now on these set photos, it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the truth. <laughs> so, sorry, just, Matt just reminded me. You mentioned Samurai there. Um, yeah. That Batman Samurai was that the animated, the name of the animated film, uh, the, the the Japanese one. No, it was Batman. <sighs> I can't. Bat Batman, not Shinobi. Batman. There was Batman something. <laughs> it was, yeah. The, the, the Japanese one that was done yeah. by the Japanese studio. That's being turned into a stage play for Japan. And I was just like, what? How? <laughs> Why? So it was, it's Kabuki Batman? It's pretty funny. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. something. It just, like, the suit, it's like, I was okay with a little bit of armor Ninja, on the shoulders. Batman Ninja. There you go. Uh, from the, from the, the first, like, bit of footage. But in this clip, like, everything in his arm is so bulky. There's so many, like, big chunky bits to it. It just looks a bit... Yeah, I'm not... Fan, but I mean, I give it the benefit of the doubt. It's a set photo. It's not touched yeah. up with anything yet, and it's not well, even passing in the suit there. Yeah, it's yeah. man. Yeah, he's doing doing more big stunts because he falls off. That was the one clip we have <laughs> is that he falls yeah. off the bike. Yeah. So maybe it's it looks bulkier right now because a dude's falling off a motorcycle. I mean, right? he's got a padding. I mean, maybe. I mean, if they're going for this as the makeshift like prototype suit, I could see that being the thing. But the whole samurai suit thing, we kind of already did that with like you know begins mm-hmm. that was kind of the point of that is that it was kind of like modeled out of like yeah a ninja suit yeah. which makes sense like i'm not saying that's a bad idea well, obviously really, you know you did the whole league of shadows thing there in that movie and mm-hmm. that's why he has fins on the gauntlet right stop swords the further record so. the creative forces behind this movie are so strong that i still expect it to be good it's, but because yeah I, I i might really like this movie but just think the suit looks like shit and that's very possible yeah that's a yeah. possible outcome here. I will say that bike looks straight out of Zero Year. Um, you know, with the the kind of the bat ear inspired front. Mm. Uh, yeah. It looks straight like exactly like that bike that we had. Uh, uh, that was like the, the big key image from the start of that um, promotional campaign. Yeah, to <laughs> remind me of that, didn't you? <laughs> hey, it's not yeah. a bad design. Zero Year. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> so, um, yes, Batman. What we what we waiting? Uh, I, I, honestly, because we've had this is what the third issue of his of his Batman fourth yeah. maybe. Uh, I I think this might be my favorite of his issues yet. It felt the most streamlined to me. It moved forward the main villain plot, also the Joker stuff. Uh, I I like how it's including like 
Catwoman and Ivy also keeping Catwoman and Batman's relationship be a thing but also have all these other players be involved I think it's yep. juggling things the best so far out of all the issues plus the art's back to being good for most of the issues so that's also a big plus uh, Matt what are you giving it? I'm going to give this a 8 cool Connor. Uh, I'm a little bit lower. Uh, I actually preferred the first issue of this run over this one. I think you know, this is better than the last one for sure. Uh, for me, I still think it's a little disjointed, um, just a little clunky in places here or there. Um, but overall, it's still pretty good, so I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with Matt and go with the eight. So there you go. That is Batman 89. Uh, we'll move on then to Justice League issue 41, Robert Vendetti writing with Aaron Lopresti on the art. This is the story of the Eradicator showing up with an army of Daxamites that he has genetically altered so that Kryptonite will not affect them. So they are pretty unstoppable. Uh, and much like Batman, I loved how this started with the, the two guys talking about Superman revealing his identity. Uh, I yep. thought it was a really neat way of opening it and then having the fight spill into it. It's kind of weird that we had two issues do the same trick, but I mean, I don't think it's an effective yeah. trick, so <laughs> sure. Uh, I hate when I get coffee on my oh. suit and then <laughs> he has a wall thrown at him. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, enjoy that then. It was pretty yeah. fun. Um, I, I was probably the most critical of the last issue. I actually think this one. I mean, obviously, we still have the fact that this is after Superman's revealed his identity, but you know what? I completed about an issue, the first issue. It doesn't really matter anymore. Let's just go with the story. Um, And I do think this issue is much better than the last one. I think it holds together much better. It doesn't feel as disjointed to me. Um, It does a really good job of selling how dangerous having these Daxamites with these powers and without the weaknesses really are, because, you know, at one point, they beat the shit out of the Flash, and it feels really Mm. kind of brutal, and they're they're trying to hold off. speed as well. And they mention uh, that, you know, they're, they're not at full strength yet. They've only just arrived, so they're not quite, you know, got all the sunlight that it's going to take for them. But it's only going to be a few minutes. In a few minutes' time, they're going to be up to full strength, and that's going to be a problem. Uh, whilst Batman's trying to get uh, Madame Xanadu to help out with the magic. Which I like who she's like, who, do you, who the hell do you think you are? Coming and knocking <laughs> on my door that way. So I, I like that. Because the last time we saw Xanadu, she, like warm hugged carter hall yeah the batman's showing up and she's just like you know what i don't have time for your your foolishness it's basically Um, you know there's there's two types of heroes that come and see me those who i know and we're friends or those that just want stuff right so i like that a lot um and then he hits her with a with a sonic weapon so um i like that and then he he basically takes his his you know his belt to show his utility belt like i'm not Gonna make you do anything you want, but I have come for your help. Yeah, and, and he, he goes down and does the, the, the oath of truth like the <laughs> Arthur's Knights. Yes, yep. yes. Uh <laughs> and I do love that she says arise, Dark Knight, and I was like, Actually, All right, can I, I'm a nerd, I love that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Cause something stuck out to me in this 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 scene. And I don't know if I'm just nuts and haven't noticed it recently, or if this was a change recently, but when did Batman get his uh his pants back, his underpants, the trunks? When did he get the trunks back? while ago i don't know i didn't honestly i didn't i i, I, I feel like it's been that way since like detective 1000 you may be right but i just i'm like yeah. where did he get the trunks back because i really noticed it when he was taking off the belt and i'm like did he have trunks in batman <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> i'm gonna go check it in the batman yeah they're, they're there in batman they're in batman okay 
I don't remember when this happened. I'm like, where? I, I, I where? feel like it was Detective 1000. Do you know what's funny about this? Is that it, it obviously looks natural to me because it never stuck out before, but it just kind of hit me during this scene as he's taken off the belt. I'm like, wait a minute, he's got chunks. Do you know why I think you notice it more here? And and this is not a complaint, but uh, it's something that I did notice. Uh, in the colouring, Batman's yeah. cowl and trunks in this are a lot more blue-tinged as they opposed are. to yep. most of the other books where they're just black. So we actually have the blue in with the grey and black on this suit, mm-hmm. um, which makes them stick out more. It makes it more noticeable. I do like it. I have to admit, um, I, I, this is not a complaint, by the way. I, I think Batman looks fine. I, I, it doesn't bug me bug me that he doesn't have them the same way that Superman, but I do like him in the trunk, so I'm not complaining. Like, Yeah, but and I, just... think that I, I think that blue tin looks better than just all black. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can agree with that. Yeah, uh, so that's cool. Uh, Justice League are fighting back, but they're 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 not doing very well. Uh, they're getting their asses handed to them, and of course, Batman and Zadu show up at the last possible second. She does a magic, you know, blast to knock oh, them all back. Yep. Eradicator's like, "Whoa, that's unexpected!" Uh, and she quickly gets a, tele- a you know a, a, a teleport bubble out, and they all make a run for it uh, as. Eradicator broadcast from the Hall of Justice that he's going to basically kill everyone on the planet in about an hour's time. And the Justice League end up in the Scottish Highlands and then the sort of final reveal is that they realise that she didn't have time, Zadu didn't have time to get everyone through the portal. And the final page is Eradicator holding up Wonder Woman by the back of the neck uh, in sort of, yeah. v- of sort of victorious pose. So... Uh, you know, it's still just a kind of a fun romp. It's not like a p- proper, like, you know, great must-read book, but I did have more fun with this issue. I, I thought the action mm-hmm. flowed really well. I thought that the threat of the Eradicators and the, the Daxamites uh, really worked. Yeah, uh, I think that's the key thing. Is it? Is this an important book? Absolutely not. Is it fun? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah like, if you were keeping this like, your pull list down to just a few important books, you wouldn't be reading this. But if you wanted to read a, a pretty solid Just League comic, I'm, I'm much more confident kind of recommending it after this issue than yeah. I was the last My- one. My only problem is I don't think that I like Venditti's characterization of Flash. Um, That's fair. Here, when he goes to run off to save, you know, I need to spread the word on this. He's like, well, it was a pleasure fighting with all you, with all of you. And I'm like, that does not sound like Barry. That does <laughs> not sound like Wally. That doesn't sound like a Flash that I know. Um, so, yeah, it's I think uh, this. It's I, I will give it the benefit of the doubt for now. Because again, last issue did establish there's something going on with Barry in this book, yeah. Um, and his mind is is in a different place. So this might be another, you know, intentionally sounds like not something he'd say because right. something is going on. So yeah, that could be. I will defend I it in like that it, yeah. sense, even though <laughs> yeah. I agree it doesn't actually just sound. It doesn't sound like a natural line for him. Matt, so into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so now this was much better than the last issue. Um, I'm happy to see. Um, I'm liking the overall plot of it. It read quite quickly too, which is always a you know a yes, good sign. Always a always a benefit. Yeah, uh, we give it a Matt. I'm gonna give this a seven point five. Connor, uh, solid eight from me. Uh, I'm oh. once again I agree with Matt and go with a seven point five. So damn it, uh, stop copying me. I'm so, sorry, Matt, but sometimes you just I, not always, but sometimes you you speak sense and you know, I, can't, weird. I, I can't deny it. Sometimes I sometimes I surprise myself. That'll take us on to Aquaman 57, Kelly Sudaconic writing with Robson Roca on the art. Uh, this is the aftermath of the big fight where Mira, you know, created the big water version of herself and fought mm-hmm. the, 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 the Mecha Manta. And this is them needing to rush her to hospital because, uh, of course, she's pregnant. And they are going to, like, call in a chopper, but it's like, no, no, no. Like, she needs to go to an Atlantis hospital because her, her physiology is completely different. They don't yeah, know what to do with her. 
treat an Atlantean or a Zabellian. Yeah. yeah, so... I, I really like those couple of panels of Arthur just carrying her down into the water. Yeah. Yep. No, really good stuff. I, I thought, you know, tying into the Eurovillain villain stuff, you know, did throw a little wrench into this, like, the flow of this book a touch. Mm-hmm. I, I think this issue... You know, not only was it kind of back on form for me, it's back on form whilst also bringing in more of the Mira and Atlantis stuff that's been kind of just like there. You know, before the Year of the Villain stuff, it was only just briefly there a little bit. You know, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. she's pregnant. Okay, we're going to have to do this this uh, fiancé thing with Volko, which, by the way, Arthur's reaction to that <laughs> when he hears about it uh, yeah. is, is pretty fun. So, yeah, so he takes her down to the water. Like you say, that page is great. They go down to the hospital. Uh, they bring Dolphin back here. Uh, who's there mm-hmm. for treatment? Uh, there's a lot of sick people down in the, the hospitals here, and the guards get kind of get kind of rough with them and tell them to leave because the queen's down here. Um, and I feel like this is something that's going to like maybe come up a bit more prominently next issue. Yeah, we know there's, yeah. there's an epidemic going on, so mm-hmm. obviously there's all the a lot there. They're filled to capacity. Yeah. Right. So and dolphins kind of treated like scum because of who she is as well. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to maybe get some sort of proper you know follow yeah. on from this uh next issue when you know maybe she get, runs into aquaman or, or whatever uh but yeah so we have this uh funny little exchange where he finds out about volko being engaged to mira uh in name only of course and right. i loved i you know what arm because arm kind of represents like a part of aquaman for me which i like but it's been overused for a long time and i was kind of happy yeah. we hadn't seen him in a little while here and I think when he he just stormed into the hospital demanding to be there for, for the Queen, I just kind of started laughing because I thought this is kind of wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very soap opera-y. Yeah. Right? But uh, it's, it's soap opera where he's got this ridiculous fish mask on and yeah. he's walking out with a silver trident. Like, it's just something so ridiculous about the whole thing. And then like, him and Arthur kind of arguing with each other and... Yeah, all the rest of it. And then the doctor comes out and like says, quit yelling, you're here for her, it's a house of healing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then the big fail reveal, of course, is that she's in a coma. She went past her natural defences for what her powers are supposed to do. Uh, but in the meantime, we also have to deal with, you know, we have to meet someone. And the final, you know, is it the final? Yes, well, more or less. It's the second last page. Uh, she brings out the little baby, the little daughter, and uh, the final page is Arthur she's holding his, his ginger daughter yep yep so uh that, yeah. i mean we, we know from earlier in the issue there was five months so this is and, and they do you know say oh no she's mm. here early mm. so this is very early um yeah that is a full head of hair for five months <laughs> i mean she is a bellion yeah so, zebel yeah. zebel physiology zebel crossed with ginger equals hair that just won't stop apparently yep. so uh so i mean going away from the medical improbabilities perhaps which again maybe just be silly to even consider because of we're talking about underwater people but uh i thought this was, was a great issue aquaman i i was really into it i think it you know topping off all the stuff that's been building to uh, in and around the, the tie-ins that it's had to do uh that's like a big deal uh and you know i kind of a step forward now maybe they'll they'll reckon all this too soon because they've been known to do that from time to time but I'm kind of digging the fact that Aquaman is yet another superhero now has got a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I did uh, just find some of the the conversations, you know, in the hospital. I think that section of the issue went a little bit too long. Um, it just just could have been trimmed down by like a page or two. I think um, could have been tightened up. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that. Yeah, how are you feeling, Matt? I mean, I I like it. It's. 
Kelly Sue has this real fun way of making like even the silly stuff like Ocean Master, like Pete said, it makes it work. That he just basically kicks the door in the hospital <laughs> and is like, as former king, I demand to be here. <laughs> like, and you're like, well, no, back out of here, Orm. You're off. Go find your Earth family or your Dryland family. He's he's no he's he's a visiting dignitary from the city of Dagon. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's, he's doing his own thing. He's 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 yeah. here as a as a state visitor, not not as as a previous yeah. king. So, but no, I I like it. It's it's. Like, that's the thing. I like all the individual beats. Uh, I just yeah. think there's a, quite a lot of them just stood in that room, you know, in that waiting room. Uh, yeah, a lot of the issue, and I think it just goes on a bit long, uh, especially after Orm comes in and you know they get split up. Then I feel like okay, there's another like two or three pages of us just yeah. being well, told, oh, this is what happened with Mira, and you know, it, I feel like it just goes on a bit too much. No, I'm, I'm okay just because of also it, it like when you have uh, Setia or whatever his name, Setia show up, you know, uh, wanting wanting to see what's going on, and you have all these other where again it felt like a, I don't want to keep saying a soap opera, but almost like a like the birth episode of a sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're seeing everyone's reaction to the people that are showing up, and I, and I like that because Arthur's not supposed to be in atlantis you know so the fact that he's there and now there's a baby and it's just all crazy and if if the queen's in a coma and the baby really can't so who's who's the regent when she's volko volko's taking (laughs) taking his uh yeah but yeah but is that gonna go over is well, so I, I think, accept um, that? Like, given that the 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 final line says, it, uh, you know, next it takes a village. I'm yeah. assuming that he's taking, you know, the the young uh, yeah. the young princess back up to the to the surface to be raised by I think so. all all of the old gods. Hmm. Why yeah. not? We again, we have a lot of fertility gods. In yeah, there. they 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 know what they're doing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no, I I, I kind of loved that it was just focused on like okay we have to go to the hospital and we spend the rest of the issue in the hospital. I kind I, I I like when they don't feel the need to like. St- and, it, and it did have some good world building because it was setting up all this stuff that's going on in Atlantis, which, which we've not really seen much of. And using Dolphin as a conduit for us, where okay, if you've been reading Aquaman for a while, but you know before Kelly Sue's run, you know who that is. She means something to you. So having her be turned away and treated like this is like okay, we have a stake in here to to care about the fact that they're being mistreated. It's not just some faceless Atlantean, which is cool. So yeah. uh, I, I kind of dug that. Um, so no, I was into it, and obviously uh, Roca's art. Uh, as per usual, is pretty solid, not perfect, but yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think my biggest problem with the issue was actually on the very first page that kind of dense recap panel mm-hmm. that felt not enough to be a recap page, um, but too much to just be in one panel at the start. It was just really like awkward. I don't know. Uh, did, did anyone else find that like just didn't flow that well Which... to start the issue? Like the very first panel. There's on the splash page that we got at the start. There's just a like a, a narration box um, full of you know recap stuff, and I don't know. It it just didn't play right for me. Uh, fine by me. Bit, I'm still not over Aquaman tattoos more than that. Like <laughs> those those stick out more than the the recap box. You know. I mean, honestly, like if we can't have a proper recap page, I'm okay with a panel like that or a yeah. narration box like that at the start. Yeah, fair enough. I just I don't know, it was too dense to just be a a narration box like that for me. Yeah, I, I mean I prefer that it's there than it not being there. 
Yeah, fair enough. I appreciate I appreciated the uh the you know just the the catch up here. That's what happened last time. Remember? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. comics need their version of the previously on Lost. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what this felt like. Yeah. So, oh, cool. Uh, we give it a map. I'm gonna give this a seven point five. Connor. Yeah, seven point five. Uh, I'll go. I'll go a touch higher. I'll go with the eight. I I, I dug it. So. There you go. And I'll take us on to Legion of Superheroes, issue four. Brian Michael Bendis writing with Ryan Sook on the art. So this was finally the uh, orientation <laughs> of of John Ken. He finally got there. Yeah, well, not all of um, it. No, because something happens. But I will say, for as much as this is not my Legion, uh, Bendis is getting closer with each issue. So the fact that we get to see the origins of... well. Not exactly the origins, but the backstories of each of the founding members. Mm-hmm. And well, so even to, even before we get to that, the first yeah. page does a good job of explaining a triplicate girl, right? Because I don't know these mm-hmm. things, right? And it explains right. triplicate girl is one person. It's not three people that mm-hmm. merge together. It's one person who splits in three. There's a difference, <laughs> right? And it makes that very clear. And I'm like, okay, I understand these. And th- they go, and and in their culture, right? So each one of them, they're part of the same thing, right? So they can go out like multiple man, go learn things, and then when they reabsorb back into one, that one figure understands everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Which is a real cool thing. But then she drops a bombshell here. That she wants to marry Um, John Kent? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, I like that. Yeah, that was fun, but it's, it clearly explained, and because they're very distinctive here, you got the three, you know, characters who's, you know, one's got pink hair, one's got blue hair, one's got yellow hair. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I'm always going to remember that basic rule, I think. Even if I forget, you know, the planet they're from, if I forget some of these other details in time, mm-hmm. I'll remember that basic rule of them, and that, that that's kind of a hook for them. And then I think the flashbacks, you know, when it goes into the orientation, and it's like, okay, so here's how Saturn Girl joined, or, you know, ended up f- founding the Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had just enough to tell me, you know, what it was like with her talking to her mother, what it's like for her on Titan, and here's, you know, her getting the news that she's been, you know, brought in to, you know, talk to the, the you know, the, the president, Madame President, of yep. of the United Which Planets. That, that R.J. Brand traditionally looked like a human, but ended up being a Durlin. Mm. So the fact that Bendis is going so different here, I mean, R.J. Brand could still be a Durlin for all we know, but this is not what it's looking like so far. And um, I will say, I love that the art on this uh, flashback here is so different. Mm-hmm. The coloring so different from the rest of the book. It really yeah. feels otherworldly. Uh, the Saturn yep. stuff, the sort of Titan stuff, so, I should say. Yeah, and the fact that, like, they're, they're part of a, a collective in the mind. And Emra basically, like, like most teenagers, wants to get away from that hometown. And they're kind of like, well, why do you want to leave the hive mind? Well, I, I want to be individual. And it's like, well, no, you're, that's just teenage rebellion, you know? And, and that's the, the primary motivation for her to, to leave. Um, and then we get to, uh, to Garth and his sister, which I'm glad that they did. Cause traditionally the people of Winath are born as twins. So that's why when it said mo- his mom's, I, I want a little bit more, on that because is that still a thing mm. because there's there's six kids in that family uh, just, and don't think i didn't partner them up uh, um, just one thing before to start talking about that specifically it's just what they are yeah. on the uh the emra stuff 
I thought yeah. uh, the, the, her face on the last page of that almost looked very sedic to me. The the way it was drawn, mm. uh, not quite, but almost there. I just you know I wanted yeah. to mention that. Uh, but yeah, closer. so it gives you yeah the, the, uh, you know lightning lad and his sister and. Uh, them yep. kind of like fighting back these peacekeepers and it's mostly yeah. his sister and his sister's asked yep. to go and like maybe hey because you stood up to these these police keepers uh, we're inviting you and your brother and she doesn't want to go but then he's like does it have to be both of us can I, can I just come <laughs> yeah yeah so. and it feels like he's kind of in his twin sister's shadow mm-hmm. always so that he's taking this um, and that's again playing with, with the with the Legion mythos is that they're always together. You know, it's lightning lad and light lass. And so the fact that they're splitting them up and I almost feel like she's going to be a part of the, the, I think they're called the renegades, but they're basically like an anti-hero version of the Legion where they're doing things on their own terms outside of the United planets. Hmm. Um, and cause she seems very much of that revolutionary type, right? That, they're standing and, up for the people of Winath against the science police. Against the state, yeah. Uh, so the independent kind of like, you know, freedom right. fighters, yeah. And yeah, and so the fact that they do that, and of course she's not going to go work with a man of the United Planets. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Bendis is setting something up. You know, the fact that he's made a point here of yep. introducing her, clearly defining that she is this way. Yep. She's going to be, I mean, maybe given how this issue ends, where the Feder- Federation, so I'm thinking of Star Trek, uh, United Planets, uh, they. Well, come on, United Federation of Planets is very similar to United Planets, all right? Give me a break, it is. Connor. I'm seeing. I'm just. I'm I seeing. I will give you no such. Break. I'm seeing him shake his head at me. Uh, well, let's just be professional. So you know, we get Cosmic Boy as well. His introduction to how he ended up there. Uh, basically, he was like a sports player for some weird sport on his planet. Yeah. And that's what led Magna to him. Magnaball. Yeah. But it does not look like the Magnaball as I did because it looks like he's. It just says he's a champion. And it looks like he's fighting some robot dinosaur things. So. That's like, back in my day, Magma Ball was like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it never, they don't say Magma Ball, do they? They just say he's a champion of some kind. Yeah, I don't think they actually... Uh, because uh, the the note here to John is that it's 1% of the population of, of his planet of Brawl have powers over magnetism. Yes. He's one of those 1%, which I liked. And so... He became this champion, and that's why he gets selected. So almost, so each of these planets has their own way of basically offering up someone to the Legion. Yeah, like This is why, you know, Emra goes because she feels like she wants to be different, and then Garth wants to get out of his sister's shadow, and he basically rose, you know, uh, Cosmic Boy. I'm, I'm blanking on his, his first name. Rock. Rock ends yeah. up going through, you, you know... Do you know what works about this issue so well? So this is the issue that I've been kind of wanting since this book started. It was an mm-hmm. issue that kind of clearly defines who some of these characters are so that I've got yep. hooks and, uh, you know, some of the main cast. And it has R.J. Brand come in and her demeanor with these characters is very interesting because she, like, you know, at one point Emma's like, I can't read your mind. Should, should I be trying to? And she's like, no, there's, there's natural blocks in place because of, you know, you know, political espionage mm-hmm. reasons like you know but you know please do try because if you can get through then there's something wrong and i should it should be fixed so by all means right. try and read my mind um and the way she talks to him and then something attacks the ship they're on and it kind of ends yeah. there you know the, the john gets pulled out of the orientation as we see like, them just about to start to fight in this flashback mm-hmm. and this is clearly the, the formation of the of the legion right um right. And we have, you know, Brainiac say, okay, the you know peacekeepers are here, and they're basically saying, okay, uh, the Legion are, are locked down until further notice, and this comes from 
Madame President, R.J. Brand. And what's really good about this issue is that it shows us in that flashback how she is with them and how she's very receptive to their new style of them right. being these new kind of the... Uh, you know the the modern take and a new type of peacekeeping that maybe hasn't been tried before that's why she wants to try this new thing with them and she's very receptive to how they are and what their feelings and she's very nice to them the way she says hey Saturn girl yeah try and read my mind go for it to hear in the very the last page but we don't get to see her say this herself admittedly but we hear that these peacekeepers are here to like lock down the legion from her command it clearly says no that doesn't jive with what we just saw so either this is a lie or like, or something's really changed like something's made her completely yeah. change her mind because they because they even say well you're not done john with the with it yet yeah so you'll get there and so i also want to point out that the that computer so it's almost like this cerebro meets the danger room scenario where it puts john in their memories uh computer is traditionally a villain that's a mm. that that's almost like ultron where he's this AI that comes to life. So I'm wondering if that is up the, you know, way with, mm-hmm. with Bendis. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah, um, I'm loving this, this, this book. I, oh, cool. sure. <laughs> I had a big stupid grin on my face. Cause finally this feels like familiar Legion. And I get why Bendis would, would want to shake it up at the beginning and make you wait for issues to get to this type of stuff. Because every other Legion book has, has started with the formation of, you know, the three saving R.J. Brand and then becoming the charter out of out of the United Planets. So here I'm, I'm betting that's what happens, but Brand doesn't – if I had to guess, Brand doesn't like how powerful – or it's a different brand, right? Like someone swapped him out or something happened. So – but yeah, uh, the Janet art for the, for the flashbacks basically, mm-hmm. right, is – fantastic um suck art's still still solid for for the main yeah still really going on with the legion um but as someone who needed this kind of like footing this this grounded sort of like okay here's a basic understanding of the main characters in the legion this was easily the best issue so far it didn't feel overstuffed with other characters like yelling things at each other um and it it set up enough in these flashbacks that the final moment had some weight to it where it's like hey Mm -hmm. why is why is you know rj brand doing this and you know and like you say there's that hint where john says wait but rj bland brand is in support of the legion and one of them says oh you didn't finish the orientation did you (laughs) as if you know okay so there's there's more to the story like something else flipped her by the end of the story so that's really interesting. I think it tells a story. It introduces a lot of things. This could be a great first issue. It honestly could be. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily dislike the previous three issues, but I, I do think this is one that's it's done the best job of hooking me in. So, uh, mm-hmm. but good. And I like you say the art's uh, really good uh, throughout. So, uh, what are you giving this, Matt? Uh, I'm, I'm giving this a nine. I stupidly. Oh, I'm not ready yeah. to go go that far. I I will give this a solid eight out of ten. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad Matt's uh, having his his cake and eating it too. Uh, yep. So that'll take us on to Jimmy Olsen issue eight. Matt Fraction writing with Steve Lieber on mm-hmm. the art. Uh, so you two guys take it away. Where to start? Uh, <laughs> so we got to try getting through this one quicker because this book is so dense with jokes in plot even though none of it seems to matter yes, right like it's so. all taking place in a sideways where jimmy olsen's the most important person which is fine um <laughs> we, we basically the, the reign of the subpar men yeah so jimmy with his death has inspired four other jimmy olsen's 
to come out in very similar fashion to the death of Superman, that there's a, a Superboy version of Jimmy that's totally radical and speaks in 90s slang. There's a full-on steel version of him. Which is just um, like a, a metal statue that they have to statue. wheel around and leave yep. in, in, in place. Well, it doesn't move. There's there's an eradicator version that wears sunglasses and is very silent and very cool and has a strong jawline. And then there's a, a cyborg, Jimmy Olsen. Um, Which has one of the best things when it when it kind of saves the bank. Um, yeah. I think it's a bank. Um, it's like, oh, citizen, don't forget to like and fave. Thank you for your right. engagement and impressions. <laughs> so you come to find out that these aren't multiple Jimmy Olsons. It is, they're all kids of the Jimmy Olsen fan club. And basically they get upset that someone has sent an eminent domain to their clubhouse. So eminent domains when the state can come in and take over your property for the betterment of, you know, whatever. And they're going to destroy their clubhouse and they can't, they don't want that. So they're trying to make Jimmy Olsen come back around in, yeah. in their own and ways. And Jimmy's brother that's signed yeah. this to, to send it into them. Yep. And it has and that, so, that, that squiggle symbol. And they're like, how do you say that? And I don't know how you say it either. So that was a yeah. great question. Yep. Um, so, but each each of the Super Jimmys are the, the fan club, but it's very comical. Two kids sitting on each other's shoulders and unzipping. That out was of, like, the eradicator one, yeah. Yeah. I laughed so hard at that one. Yeah. Uh, and then them wheeling around the, the steel statue. And, and, like, so robbers are trying to get away. They just wheel this massive statue in front and it crashes. And then they wheel it off. So, um, and then we get to uh, Jimmy and Jamie, or Jimmy and Janie, who now Jimmy is posing as his Spanish cousin, Jaime Olsen. And speaking in Spanish, which is Spanish is, is very, very good. Um, and they're in the, the I'm not even going to try because there's so many C's in this one. But at Coolidge College, which was the original home of the first Adam Alpratt. And yeah. it, basically the mayor has said that nothing ever exciting happens in our city. But we know excitement follows the Olsons. So yeah, you're like, free. Well, yeah, we, we need that Olsen bump. And they're like, what's the yep. Olsen bump? And, and you look it up. And it's yeah, basically, oh, you know, uh, the, the government gives you our benefits to, you know, yep. after the arrival of metahumans, usually following uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen's Jimmy. arrival in a place. <laughs> and and, we and get the mayor's also... Name. Yes, which changes with each issue. Yes. Because there's no Jim was, really in this one. No, no. The, this one was Jim Chinny, Jim Chinny, Jim Chim Chiri, James Jimmy Olsen. Yes. And so, and, and the mayor's also very complimentary towards Janie's playwright, like her playwright ability. Yeah. And how she's basically changing the, the culture around stage shows and stuff. So I thought that was real fun. But as they're, as they're in the city, his, I guess his ex-wife at this point. Oh, no, crashes her, well, they're still, they're still married. She crashes her, her ship into the side of the building that they're staying in. And wants to know, you know, did you forget what happened in Gorilla City? He goes, or the last time he was in Gorilla City, he goes, oh, no, I remember. I, uh, and he tells the story and, about how he was, he does King Kong, basically. Right. But <laughs> he's, he becomes a giant human in Gorilla City and he climbs to the top 
with a gorilla bride. And, you know, he lost who he was for a minute. And she goes, no, that's not what happened. Just Wait, like how often do you go to you Gorilla City? In Gorilla City. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, that was the last time I was there. She's just like, because yeah. other two yeah. Gorilla Cities? It's like, no, I know. I was just, are you sure about this? Like, well, yeah, it was, it was on CNN. Well, Gorilla CNN. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a gorilla reading the news, right? And then, yeah. yeah. Man. And then she says, um, you don't remember the time you were on the book tour? Because, of course I remember that. But you asked about the last was, time. That was the time before. Yeah. And he was like, you were there again that, since that? The second time. Yeah. That and was the second want, to last time I was there. This is the moment where I have changed the voice of Jimmy Olsen. Because she uh-huh. goes, how often do you go to Gorilla City? And he just goes, it's a voice, it's a city full of gorillas. I go all the time. And that's the point yeah. where I started re- reading Jimmy as, as Charlie from Always Sunny. Yeah. Like that's that moment, I was like, yep, that's it. Because you, you could definitely see him yelling wild card and jumping out of the back of a van. <laughs> you have some Also, you've been watching a lot of Always Sunny. I have. So... But... That, that, that line you. in particular was just like I can I can hear that that coming out. So in, she's in like Charlie's voice. So you didn't get that annulled? He goes, Oh yeah, I mean I'm going to, but a lot <laughs> has happened. And then she looks and sees Dexter there. She's like, and you still have the cat? He's like, Well, I, I try to find him a good home, but that's very hard right now. So I took um, him to a shelter, but then Batman, and then yeah, just, there's this whole happened. thing. Uh, yeah. So and then her dad interjects about how this is all related to his subspace time thing. And like, really? He's like, well, I just want to be a part of the conversation too, you know? Um, and as, as they're all having this, they, they go to leave in, you know, because the car is not working. That's why they're stuck in, in Coolidge town or whatever it's called. Uh, Coolidge college. Calvin and city. Calvin city. Or yeah. President Calvin Coolidge established Coolidge college where the hero is <laughs> like contraction. Um, and so they fly off in, into the, you know, spaceship to go solve whatever it is. And the creatures that she was running from, that she was involved in the marriage too, have now given them the Olsen bump that they yeah, were looking they're, for. They're riding and through the town on like space horses. Yeah. And he's like a demon. I kind of think smaller Trigon. Yeah. Um, He's just going space wife with a big massive axe, and and one of, it, it almost mimics, or, or that was one of the other pages too, where it mimics the um, cover of Action Comics number one, because you see yeah. a guy with his hands in his head, and that wasn't that page though. That was one of the Jimmy Olsen's subpar men. Yeah, that was near the start. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, the space wives, very very funny. Um, I'm that said, with all of the plot lines coming together. And falling back apart. Um, I'm glad this is almost done. <laughs> like, um, I get that. Just it, to see, just to see if it's going to stick the landing or not. I think even if it doesn't, it's been so enjoyable that I'm okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. Because the only bit we did briefly miss over was the uh, the the porcupine, porcadillo um, got visited by, uh, oh, that's right. by Jim Corrigan. Not right. that one. And not not the and, space ghost. One. Yeah, or the space ghost, rage ghost. Yeah. Um, and you know he he tries to run from him in pink yeah. crops, uh, and and he's like, yeah, what, With why, the little why are you spikes running? poking out of him? Yeah, he's yeah. Like, why are you running? So I have to save Jimmy Olsen. So that'll yeah. come up again, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it it is very enjoyable. But again, it's a lot. Every every time it is a lot. Although it was worth it for the Gorilla City joke. Oh, like, it's, so good. it's a city full of gorillas. They like, go oh, all the time. Yeah. 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 So, I do love it this book. Like, it's consistently yep. the funniest thing I read every month. 
Yeah. Um, and, and the arts on on top of it, like Lieber and Fraction work hand in hand because uh, there's not a flashback. It, there is a flashback of him as a giant gorilla, right? That kind of mimics yeah. the cover. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And him holding the, the, the gorilla lady, yeah, just like Mae West. The old timey planes yep. flying at him. And uh, the big like it's like a movie poster with a quote, the apith wonder of the world. Apith, yep. So yeah, fan, fan, fantastic. And and also oh. we we didn't mention it's um oh god, who, who's he wearing his pants? It's yeah, uh, it's uh, Rex. Oh, that's right, it's Metamorpho. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So also, all right, Yang, if if you somehow get this, give us Jimmy Olsen with the terrifics. You just made me read a bunch of Bizarro, which I did finish that, by the way. So glad the Bizarro story's done. I couldn't handle that much more. Um, but yes, now now let's see this written by Yang. Him going to Gorilla City. It's just the type of thing the Terrifics would in, get involved with. So what, what's your rating, it, Connor? Uh, it's an 8.5. Okay, I'm going to give it uh, an 8. Just just a little bit beneath you. Um, but yeah. Never be beneath Connor. It's a bad idea. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll take us on because uh, I feel like having a break still. Uh, Wonder Twins issue 12 is next. Mark oh. Russell writing with Stephen Byrne on the art. Yeah, so issue. I'm going to run the yeah, last issue. Um, and I, I will say it. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It, it sticks the landing. I, I feel like knowing what we know about this, that it got extended another six issues. Um, and we kind of only have one bad issue where it was that fill in that was that issue seven. Where, where, yeah, it wasn't burn on art, and it was clearly just a oh uh, shit, quick, give us time, scramble for something. Yep. So the story that's been told through this one is basically the redemption of the maths of of Polymath and and her dad, um, and and basically how the Wonder Twins believe in humanity almost more than the Justice League, right? They're almost outside of it. Yeah, it's kind of like the Justice League's got a bit cynical. It's got a bit just like, oh, yeah. this is what we do. There's procedures for right. everything. And, and kind of Santa Jenner, yeah, Santa Jenner, like, well, no, that's that's not why we came here. That's not why we interned. We actually want to make the world a better place. And you can tell it's definitely Mark Russell looking at a younger generation going, hey, don't forget why we do this, mm-hmm. right? It's the people. It's not just because, hey, it's our jobs. It's people need our help. And it's not just... The superhero stuff. It's not just saving the city. It's, you know, Philo and Polly were both put in predicaments that they were in because of who they were, not because of what they did. And by the Wonder Twins reaching out to them and making things better, they've made the world better after that. Because if not for Philo, um, (laughs) the Colonel would have plunged the world back into the 80s. And nobody wants that, you know. but yeah, so as as it gets going, um, the the Wonder Twins are are hiding the uh, the math at their apartment, um, which will come into play later. Wonderful and, joke. Yeah, and so they're just trying to go about their their way, but they they do feel that cynicism from the Justice League. Mm. Is you know we did all of this, but why? Polly and Philo are still in trouble. Like we haven't actually solved anything. Um, but you know, maybe the Hall of Justice, if we ask the Justice League to help us out and they kind of try to read them the right act, the Justice League. Um, and Xana Jana fight back at them. And <laughs> so Superman's like, 
which they then use. So they Superman gets mad that they stole a, a, a spaceship. Spaceship. And they're like, from Lex Luthor. Yeah, which you used to free Philomath, a known associate, and the creator of the Colonel. The artificial intelligence almost set theirs back to the 80s. And then Zan's like, yeah, he also saved it. If not for him, we'd all be working at Hickory Farms. And I'm just like, what? What the hell, Zan? What does he think the 80s was? Right, exactly. Um, and then Jaina kind of goes off and is like, you know, at some point... Before you had all the expensive abilities, before well, you Matt, had all the matching stationery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bef- before you had all the, the matching stationery, yeah, there was right. a time you did something just because it was the right thing to do. Right. But, you know, now you're, you know, you sit here in a knitting circle arguing about the rules. We'll all go fix the planet. And, and then I was like, just oh. have Hawkman going, I like knitting. You like knitting. I thought that was great. But then John also, you know, <laughs> sticks in. He's like, oh, they're bored. He's like, no, we're not bored. And I just, <laughs> In the current political climate that I'm seeing on on wine, there's a lot of this kind of talk down from the older generation to a younger generation. Mm. And kind of being part of that older generation, it's like, well, no, this don't discount the younger generation. It, it fascinates me the way that the current older generation looks at like, like if you go back like, like like just go back to like the eighties, because that's what we're yeah. talking about. You, you had punk as a right. movement, which right. is born out of the youth mentality right. of wanting to change things right. and break the system right. and then you know, and those... then, oh, they don't mean any of that stuff is what you get well, no, now from then... the same people but yeah so all those people that wanted to burn everything down because they were punk eventually sold out and bought in right bought a suit went to work and now they're part of that system that and... they were trying to burn down yeah and that's what they accuse the Justice League of doing here essentially right. it's like yeah y'all sold out you're not trying to save people you're just trying to be superheroes, which in a superhero book is a bold proclamation. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and you could take this if you really wanted as, oh, they're digging at Superman. But it's more just the Justice League of the well, establishment. It's just, it's them. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're the establishment, right? Yeah. Um, and she goes, yeah, we broke some worlds, and, and in doing so, we saved the world. And Superman's like, that's not your job, though. She's like, you yeah, know, you're right, it's yours. But you're not and doing like, it, so we got to have to. Right, and I love that. So... Lex Luthor gets on to, to the, the cell phone. I forget her name. Cell phone Annie or whatever it is. Yeah, the phone lady. Yeah, and that basically the video of, of Zan just going through her purse and taking the cell phone. Um, and that they want it back, so he puts together a league for her. And you have the ringmaster, who basically just has a circuit gimmick, circus gimmick. But instead of a whip, he just has rings that rings. bind around people. Right. And then they also have the, you know... Um, the supervisor from the call center at the prison. Yep. Um, and you see Scrambler back there um, trying to, you know, correct this plug-in problem. Um, and he's like, well, what does she bring to it? He's like, well, she's middle management. She knows how to manage people. It's like her job. So they send them after the the Wonder Twins, and they actually defeat them. Um, the ringmaster hits them with rings, so they can't. You know, activate their Wonder Twin powers. Um, except Gleek's in, in Zan's backpack. And he and, comes out to help. And he comes out to help because they're gonna they're gonna throw them into a river, you know, old old style. Yeah, basically they just stop them before they can activate their powers, so it's this right. And so Gleek sees that the ringmaster is the same one that horribly abused him, and he goes lack of a better term, ape shit. And, and takes out Ringmaster until the cell phone lady hits him, which 
this is the most troubling thing in the issue. Poor Gleek getting tased. Yeah, little stun right? gun in the back. Right, so all hope is all lost when the middle management lady frees them and you come to find out that, no, Scrambler jumped into her. He's kind of learned from his thing that he he wanted to change the Earth, right? That was his whole gimmick Yeah. of wanting to swap people around so they know what it's like to be each other and have this little sense of empathy. Um, so they end up teaming up and taking the cell phone lady out. Um, and then he jumps into, you know, from the ringmaster, uh, and they, they trap the other two into the phone, um, into the body. And, and yeah, so we find out that he escaped using that plugin, swapped with the middle management, came to save them. And that, you know, his parting words to to them is, you know, be careful what boxes you let people put you in because once inside you'll never get out again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they go back to the justice league and the justice league. And they're like, Oh no, you found them. Cause they've got yeah. all the maps there. And right. then and Pat Munch goes, how did the world's greatest detective figure out that you have your, be- that your best friend was hiding you in your, your apartment. Is yeah. that really your question? Uh, yeah. So they, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> so they end up, you know, basically redeeming the maths and the Wonder Twins by creating that they're going to put some of the Justice League, you know, uh, funds to uh, to work and create this building called Asterisk, which looks like an asterisk, which is which is pretty yes. cool. Yes, assessing strategic threats requiring innovative skills and knowledge. Right, and so yeah, and they're going to have the maths run it, uh, and and the Wonder Twins. Yeah. So, um, and then. We, we see basically a recap of, of the whole series about, you know, you get the, the smelly guy back and how, you know, yeah. that never really sat well with Jaina and, and the maths and reconnecting them. Um, yeah. You got a little and, panel of uh, the middle management inside the scrambler's body. And you're like, oh, you yeah. don't understand. I'm not the scrambler. I work here. Just shut yeah. up and eat your Luther paste. Eat your Luther paste. Yeah. And then a year later, they're in the new headquarters for Asterisk in um i'm trying to see what here oh if they if they ever you know resent being stuck on earth because remember they were sent here kind of yeah. against their will and he goes no way because as long as i have, have you guys i'm i'm never gonna be alone you guys are stuck with me and then it ends and it's kind of like this is what the wonder comics has done so well are these younger hero stories mm-hmm. and about these are the future and yeah and it, russell's really pulled it off here Yep, and and I can't believe he stuck the landing twice now because the end of that first issue, or first issue, first the end arc. of that first arc, it wound things up really well. You had the whole thing with the scrambler, and and then outside of issue seven, so then the rest of them, he yeah. did it again. This I is think... two Wonder Twin stories now that I can I can add to stuff that I loved. I think what makes this extra impressive is obviously. He didn't know they were getting a second arc because otherwise no. we wouldn't have had that fill in issue seven. Right, and uh, you can tell, but it feels so cohesive. Bringing back in things like the scrambler, and mm. you know that was kind of just a, a part of the first arc. It was a relatively right. small part by the end. You know, it was you know it was it was a, a villain, but you know not a, mm. a huge thing. And then here making that kind of a, an integral part of the point of what the book is, yep. and well, you know, it really makes it feel like one big story as well as two small ones yeah and there's this, this seed of redemption and about not checking not writing people off just because 
Yeah. And that goes back to the Wonder Twins. And they're always kind of a bit of a joke, the whole form of water. But, you know, here they end up actually making a difference mm. um, just just by being themselves. And there's still the, the um, not, not, is it Axe, not Axe Cop, what's the, Gun Cop. Gun Cop. Yeah. There, there's more, there's another appearance by Gun Cop. So it never takes itself too seriously while imparting a serious message, which is what I love about Mark Russell. And, and I'd love to see him on a mainline book. Yeah. And it's not really clunky with its message, what? Because it makes sense for these characters to be having these opinions. And it doesn't just, yep. it's not like, hey, hey, look at this. This is what we're doing. It right. just does it in the story in a really natural way. Yep. Yep. So uh, I'm rating this. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yep. Same for me. Oh, look at that. So that'll take us on then to the Black Label section of the show. We actually we have four Black Label books uh, this week. I know. All right. So uh, first Black Label book, Wonder Woman Dead Earth issue two uh, by Daniel Warren Johnson, who did both writing and the art. Am I the only one who read this? No, I read it. You read it? Okay, good. Uh, Wonder Woman's traveling with all these people that she ended up saving from like the, the gladiator ring that she went to last time, including the kids that found her. And we get some flashbacks to her growing up in, in Themyscira, uh, which kind of ties in with the ending, because they do get to Themyscira at the end, and Wonder Woman goes in. There's a big journey to get there, though. They fight a big monster at one point. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good action pretty, sequence. Yeah. Pretty great fight. So she, has, she organizes the troops. It's like, you know, Pikeman up the front, Archer's on the ridge, and then uh, wins it by driving a car off a cliff into the, basically into the mouth of the beast, and then throwing a uh, you know oil gas container down it, and and then lighting a uh, a lighter that she had on the the bat belt, and blowing it up from the inside, and it's cool as shit. Yeah, it's big monster action, and uh, yeah, so they get to Themyscira though, and the big twist is is that all these monsters that are rampaging around the earth that seemingly caused this apocalypse are the Amazons, because man, at some point, well, Wonder Woman was in her slumber or whatever uh they nuked themascara and instead of killing the amazons because they're amazons it mutated them so she sees hippolyta and she's sort of conflicted at the end where because the big ending of the issue is that diana kind of says i can't go back to the humans that i've left in this little group because i, I can't really feel like i can trust you anymore and you shouldn't trust me and it's, it ends in this really downer note because now it's like well she doesn't really approve of what hippolyta and the amazons are but she doesn't like that she's been killing them as monsters either. Uh, so it leaves her off in this really dark, bittersweet place. Yeah. And some great action in here. Like, uh, when Hippolyta is, is trying to talk to Diana. And, you know, she has, you know, she's like a big giant worm for the bottom half of her body. Is it like a purple mm-hmm. worm is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, it's, and- prob- it's proper uh, monster stuff. Because the monster they fight halfway through as well. Uh, where she, you know, raised the truck into it and all that. Like, it's proper, like, alien planet, giant monsters with huge mouths. Like, you know, that's like a big yeah, sand monster. Big purple. Yeah, Hippolyta's got the big sort of worm kind of thing going. Yeah, like, but she, she's down talking to a door. She's got, like, you know, her hands on her head. She's sharing memories by the look of it. And then one um, of the kids comes in and cuts off her arms. Just think, thinks that she's attacking Diana and just slices off her arms. And you just see, you know, the, the hands still on Diana's face. And it's yeah. like, oh shit. And then, you know, Cheetah shows up on a Pegasus to rescue them. But there's a lot of atmosphere, though, because like, they, when they show up on the island, like, there's a great double page spread of, like, it's all in darkness, but they've got, like, a flashlight hitting, like, one circle of, like, area. And it sort of lights up the one statue there. Yeah, which is a, a callback to earlier in the issue, we'd seen 
that um, in the in the flashbacks, that statue was almost all submerged underwater right now because of the the rising sea levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and now here we just see it crumbled. Yep. So there's a lot of great stuff here. Uh... Uh, one of the other Amazons is in this big knight uniform, uh, Nubia, uh, yeah. and it looks she looks really great. And uh, like they are, isn't always to my taste. Like, you know, when it's just people talking to each other, it's not really necessarily my kind of art. But whenever it does the horror stuff, the big monsters, or it does the atmosphere stuff of creeping around the island, like all of that stuff looks phenomenal. And you can that, see, yeah, that double page where cheetah enters on the pegasus in the rain and the, there's you know it's all like this pitch black sky behind her but there's this lightning crack and you've got the night in the foreground looks incredible atmospherically yeah yeah um because cheetah shows up when diana's fighting on the mascara towards the end one of the kids gets impaled by nubia the giant sword goes right through their, their chest um and you have this big two-page spread as you see a cheetah coming in the pegasus and again if you remember from last issue because you might not because it was you know two months ago or whatever uh the cheetah in this is like mutated and has like a mouth on her side of her face and you know all these extra sort of bits uh but she shows up out of you know what she owes diana and at the end of the issue diana's like i'm not going back with the humans i'm coming with you cheetah so she goes with her in the pegasus to to wherever yeah. who knows we'll find out next issue uh but it's just you know she kind of turns her back in humanity because she feels like humanity kind of caused this and she's been killing her sisters without realizing it because they're the monsters um it, it takes this book to, i mean it was already kind of a dark book just because of the premise but this kind of takes it down a really sort of dark place for wonder woman uh, in a way that it wasn't before so uh and honestly for for a book that's like 50 60 pages um it did not feel like a short to get through at all. It, it... No, it, f- it flies in. This is one of those um, great things that you often have with a, a artist who is writing it themselves as well. They know exactly what they want to portray in their art, so they don't feel that they, that they need to overwrite it. As long as they're confident in what they've drawn, um, they'll often really strip back on expositionary dialogue. Yeah. Uh, so, no, really solid. Yeah. Uh uh i I like this probably more than the first issue i thought this really put some interesting spins on it i thought the action even looked even better with the monster stuff yeah and there's some nice like thematic hints of where we're going because there's a a whole big part of the flashbacks is her accepting to wear the the gauntlets that will Hmm. uh, you know she has to submit to them that will subdue her power um because they're terrified because we learn that um Hippolyta stole blood from all the gods and like infused it in Diana to make her stronger. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they were going with the clay origin here, where like she put this in the clay or whatever. But yeah, she she stole she got she got all the gods drunk and like took blood from them all <laughs> when they were passed out. <laughs> yeah, and um, but uh, which is why she's so powerful here and needs the the gauntlets to kind of to weaken her. But I think it's really notable that she does not have the gauntlets in present day. Um, so I feel like that's going to be quite relevant uh, you know she's she's unshackled she's doing her own thing and you know she's unleashed and you know just how scary could she be in this final issue yeah yeah we'll see we'll see uh but no really good what are you giving it uh, i'm giving it an eight i'm gonna go 8.5 you know i i you know i i liked the first issue but you know it wasn't super exciting to me it was kind of the weakest of the black label books and it may still be that out of the ones that i've read because obviously none of us tried the uh the harley and birds of prey one that just started but uh, no, nah, digging this one, digging this one. I'm, I'm more on board after issue two, which is good. It's good if you come out of the first issue, sort of liking it, but not necessarily been a hundred percent. It's nice to come out of issue two, being like, you know what? No, nah, that that completely convinced me. So yeah, uh, this is only three issues, isn't it? Uh, three or four. Okay. 
Yeah, because I thought Joker was four, but it's only three. But there's there's the one shot now that kind of makes it four, I suppose. But uh, but that does bring us nicely on to Joker Killer Smile issue three. Jeff Lemire writing with Andrea Sorrentino on the art. Uh, in this story, you know, we have this this uh, well, Ben, the the therapist, who the big twist last issue is that he is actually his family who we thought were still with him he's been hallucinating and he's been going crazy treating the joker it's kind of a kind of a, a different take on like the harley making harley crazy story yeah and uh, the art of course is fantastic and this is like him because the last issue ended with him painting his face like a clown almost kind of like the joker movie that kind of clown makeup yeah and he comes into arkham he you know he hits one of the guards and he comes into the joker and the joker's like no i'll always be there for you you know they left you but you're with me now, and he breaks down, and there's a full page of it just on a white background of him, like just weeping in Joker's arms. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous, and a lot of the narration because we have dialogue, but a lot of the narration is still in the form of that uh, the the children's book. Yeah, Mister Smiles. Smiles. Yeah, because uh, later on when Batman shows up, he's he's Mister Pouts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he's like they're going to leave, and what's interesting is he gives him a bit of paper and says, "This is where they are. This is where your wife and son are." And he's like, "Oh shit!" Like, and I got really worried. I'm like. How dark is the end of this book going to be? Like, this might actually go full, like, you know, tragedy where he kills his family or something. Like, I, I almost believed. But I want to talk about my favorite panel because the lights go out, right? And it's like, there's the sirens blaring, right? Red alert, red alert, something's going on. And we see, like, you know, Joker's like, oh, smiling. He's like, ah, oh, you know, we're going to open all the doors. And we see, like, the SWAT team coming through Arkham. And we hear, like, you know, the, the, the clicking of the, the, the shotgun from the guy at the front. And then there's a full page spread of... It's that classic moment where... If you imagine in a movie, like they're going past like a door with a shotgun, and then just out of the darkness behind them, you see like the, the villain, and the guy he knows he can't turn in time to hit to hit him with a shotgun. He knows he can't do it in time, but it's Killer Croc, who's like obviously like two foot taller than this guy. And oh, it, it's honestly, I saw this and thought this is going to be my panel of the week. I may be and, and something else in this book tops this moment though for me oh really well i mean because I, I i may pick this i don't know if i will yet but it's, it's there's a possibility i might because this is a phenomenal oh uh, it's panel. incredible i turned onto this and went oh shit you know that is that is a hell of a page yeah and you know at this point you know ben's outright helping him escape and he gets this note from joker with the, the address and uh they're going and you know, the, the narration here from the, the storybook is like, oh, we're throwing a party for everyone and all of the friends, including the Two-Faced Man, they're all joined in and there was blood and violence everywhere. Yeah, because you see the riot going on. There's Zaz, um, Pigs there, Two-Face. Yeah, and then, and then Ben shoots a guard. He kills someone. So, you know, it feels like he really has, like, you know, flipped and he starts laughing with the Joker and it's like, well, there's nothing we can do now. Uh, Joker takes him to a storage place where Joker suits up, gets his purple suit on, and I'm happy we're going to get another story with this Joker in it because I actually love how you know Sorrentino's Joker here with the purple suit on looks great. So good. Uh, and Batman shows up, and this is where we sort of and this, this isn't surprising. We kind of expected this, but you know Ben runs off to go after his family. Joker's kind of try to gas Batman or whatever. I love the panel of Joker like all bloody, like a tooth knocked out. And he's like, hey, you've got to make a choice. You know, he's going after his family. You either, you know, stay with me or go and save them uh, yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, and it kind of clicks, like, this whole thing. Like, him promising he'll be there for him is, and obviously we suspected it was bullshit, but this entire thing 
has been using him to get out and have this this get out clause once he gets out to have that it'll give him yeah. a couple of hours to get away and free to go to ground and do whatever he does it's something to keep batman occupied and you know batman tries to knock him out ben shows up at this place he's got a clown mask on he walks in and his wife's terrified and then the son walks in and he's holding a girl up to the, the wife and it's this tense moment and then he starts hallucinating and seeing his, his son with the the joker like uh, clown makeup on and it's basically an internal struggle where he's like remembering who he is or he's, is he going to do this is he going to let the joker win and ultimately he doesn't he makes the right choice batman still shows up and kind of <laughs> you know gives him a bit of shit for it and beats him up yeah and and this is actually where we get to what, what ended up being my favorite moment of this book which it's so intense it's getting weird you know it's all this the internal struggle and the colors are all over the place red yellow everywhere and then he's he's drowning in blood because he doesn't know what to do in, in in this metaphorical thing. And then we just have this two-page spread, and about eighty percent of it is just this blank space with a white tinged into red, and just him kneeling in, on the floor in it. And it's just this fantastic, incredible moment as you turn to it. He's just in a void, is how I describe it. Uh, and the book ends with him in a cell in Arkham, just like the Joker, with a therapist who's kind of there for him and really try to help him. And he's talking about how you know the joker getting his head and she's like oh but you won you eventually did win you did the right thing in the end and um, he did kill some one innocent person though so it's not like he's squeaky clean but um and he's like thank you for being here you know what you'd expect and the final page is just uh this little girl like you know let's go over a balloon by accident but a hand grabs it and it's the joker with like a hat on and it just ends you know kind of there we've got a little story time thing yeah because yeah, uh, there's a little but... bit that here that says you know joker's a disease that, that you know he just get, he goes out there and he spreads what he is this this chaos and you know and and this found bit of the story is you know mr smiles was free to spread joy and mirth yeah and they all lived happily ever after and it's kind of like oh shit so that i'm a... still kind of dark yeah i'm actually really happy we're getting the follow-up to that even if it's just one issue just of batman going after joker to get give us kind of the happy ending i suppose kind of yeah uh, to give us batman getting him just because it'll make us feel better um this is probably my favorite of the three issues this is a this is a three issue mini that i think started strong got great in the second issue and then this was like a knockout uh this yeah. issue so and obviously, Sorrentino's art was absolutely oh, spectacular. Top notch, as as it always finish. is. And I love the, the dichotomy of the, the, the styles that he has. Yeah, the regular Sorrentino, you know, what we expect. And then the, the storybook cartoon, you know, children's thing. Mm. Um, but it still matches this color scheme with all the purples and greens in it. And uh, it's so good. Yeah. So what are you giving it? Uh, that's a nine. Yeah, I'm giving it a nine too. Joe Raquel Smell issue three. Uh, that'll take us on to our new Black Label book this week. This is the uh, the, the new Joe Hill. Because, uh, you know, with the Black Label stuff, I'll put the superhero stuff first and then the, the Hill House second. Uh, so we have two Hill House books this week, and obviously one is Plunge Issue 1, Joe Hill with Stuart Eminem on the art. Uh, and this is a take on The Thing with a hint of Alien, with a hint of uh, <laughs> various other things, and also a lot of dildos. More on that in a minute. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, he could have just not said that, and we could have got to it organically. But hey, oh, I'm sorry if I spoiled the dildo reveal for you. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, so you know, obviously, there's a lot of thing comparisons. This ship that's been missing for decades shows up. Mm-hmm. It's transponders, you know, sending out a signal, and this company wants to send in a group of people to try and collect it. But there's a little bit of trickiness here because it's kind of it's washed up in in Russian waters. It's- 
Yeah, it's in Russian waters. And the government's not exactly given the okay, but they haven't told them not to. Mm-hmm. And Russia's dealing with a, a tsunami response, so they're not going to be exactly looking so, at this little island chain. When I said so, there was a bit of alien in this, what I meant by it is that this company sending them in to recoup their stuff oh, felt very Will and Jutani to me, and it felt... It's... They're shady as all get out. Yeah. Um, and the guy... I don't the, buy for a second that... That, the the representative oh yeah this guy yeah. is such paul riser and aliens because he's yeah. trying to play it like he's a nice guy like he actually cares yeah. and i just i'm sure we'll get some reference because obviously we, we've all been going oh it's the thing and they're very aware of that because of yeah. some of the character names oh yeah uh, captain carpenter <laughs> yeah i love yeah. it and there was a, a russell as well right mm-hmm. yes yeah so it's like, okay they know what they're doing i'm thinking of the eventual you know tv show movie and who do we get to play Captain Carpenter? I was thinking. Who? <laughs> you have Wyatt Russell grow a thick, awesome Because <laughs> at first I was like, oh, this guy screams Chris Pratt with a beard. Right? I, I was like going to say Tom Hardy, actually. Or Tom Hardy. Like someone like. But then I thought, wait, the thing? Kurt Russell has a son. <laughs> oh, do, do you know, beard. Like, i love this issue right and i think the, yep. the one of the things you can knock against it is because it is very much the first 10 minutes of whatever this great sci-fi horror movie is going to be right now right yeah is that it doesn't really have that much plot advancement in the sense that there's one page at the end it's like hey the horror thing's coming but other than that but I, I appreciate this at the same time though because i love that it takes the time to introduce like our main diver you know the the woman the english woman yep. uh, we see her you know they're swimming with a shark and like we've properly introduced her personality and what she's like before oh. she she joins the rest of the team uh who we meet the captain and the the businessman yeah. the representative uh, we get all the dildo jokes there was a couple of the, the sort of the, the comic relief yeah, so they're... the comic relief crewmen so... who are making fun of the captain you know we get a proper set of characters sure. introduced and it feels like they get enough time that i'm like yeah this is an ensemble cast in a movie i, c- I can totally see this yeah. clicking together like so this. the crew are all related right they're brothers yes um so there's there's that going on for also too. look at looking at captain carpenter by the way this is colin yeah. mitch garrett's just FYI. Just no, a little bit. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we we get all of these that does a really good stuff on on the characters. Like we I know exactly who these guys are. Like the captain's a bit gruff, but he has his heart in the right place because mm-hmm. he starts talking about like so they salvage and, and they they specialize in deep water salvage and that he brought up a, a case one time. And when they opened it up, bo- tangled body parts came out, and he he thought he had found a human trafficking accident. And you Turns get the impression that he kind of started screaming. He doesn't yeah. say yeah. that, but the way they, they kind no. of ride him on it is, it feels like he reacted yeah, you badly. Get, yeah, you get the sense of the history, and then they sort of make fun of him because it was just mannequins, oh. right? But he freaked out because he thought it was human beings. And right. like, so you get a bit, and then the running joke of the dildos is quite good because when the, the woman yeah. comes on board, she's like, hey, I hear you who I should talk to if I'm in the market for some big dicks or something like that, she says. And yeah. it's just, it's a great way to run the joke forward and it makes them feel like yeah. real people. And on top of that, just from a design point of view, one of the problems that we have in non-superhero books sometimes is that all the characters, if they're, they're all normal looking, sometimes it's really hard to make them distinct. But no, the captain's got the big bushy beard. The representative's yeah. got the receding hairline with the thin beard, the glasses. And he's, his wife is going to make him wear a life preserver. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and the, when you see him on the boat when it gets started, he is wearing a life preserver the, the entire time. The brothers, the comic relief, one's in like a baseball shirt, the other one's got like a puffy yep. orange jacket and he's got short hair. Like, 
everyone is very distinct so there's no mistake even though i've not rem- remembered their names yet other than captain carpenter for obvious reasons like you know who all them are yeah Yep. visually i just know who they all are it's, it's great and they, he obviously there's a little exposition here where he explains the ship and why it's important for them to get it back that they were doing biological research those biological like uh you know f- you know freezers on yeah. board that might still have specimens that are useful uh right so. and in in the lead up to this when we get to the marine biologist there's um the, the opening scene is there's a guy and his dog on this island and they walk up uh, on their, their morning walk and see a whole bunch of giant squids have washed up and like beached themselves on shore before a tsunami, which I'm wondering if this is the tsunami they were talking about, wipes out the dude and his dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we jump to the marine biologist, you find out that these little sea dragon type that aren't normally this aggressive are killing each other. Um, and so she wants to see what's going on there before they go but she you know so we don't know what she finds there but when she finds the body at the end um on this island they look like those little no sea i dragon think they're creatures. a little different these look they've got they? more of a, of a blue tint to them that i don't okay. think the sea yeah. dragons had the, okay but i could be wrong yeah, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. what happens is, is that they, because they're getting close to where the ship is, there's like a little island, so they decide to uh, spend the night there so they can have like a nice, you know, campfire, kind of have a comfortable right. night before they get to the, the hard part of the mission. And again, there's some more character building and sort of uh, friendly sort of banter and flirtation or whatever. And then, of course, the big ending is that she, when she goes to go for a piss in the woods, she finds this this body uh, wearing Which all... Is- Wearing all orange, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily implying like a prisoner jumpsuit. I, I, I may not be, but it's just I noted that it yeah. was all orange just for the sake of. I I yeah. did assume it was personally. Yeah, but it also could be a crew jumpsuit. You know, yeah. they were on a on a science boat. He's also freshly bleeding. So yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily assuming this. Something. Yeah, I wasn't assuming this is someone from the ship they're going to because that ship's been missing for decades. I was kind of yeah assuming this guy was a newer. Well, like you're missing does not mean they're all dead. Who knows right. well, that's true because that's true, but... there's a thing where it says that the old man is now in his 60s uh and the son that was on the ship would be in his 40s by now or, oh, or no, in no, his 50s no it was 60s because the old man i think uh, is in his 80s then. is in his 80s or whatever yeah okay so so, so, then... so the young the the son on the ship who was captaining the ship or whatever back in you know the the nineties, eighties, whatever it was. 80s. Uh, oh. He he would have he was about thirty at the time, but now he's about sixty. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So I don't think they'd put that in without you know we're gonna mm. see something. Um, all I know is this is I love basketball heads, but yeah. this is the most fun I've had reading a Hill House book because this is prime me. Like this is that there's creature stuff. There's fun characters. Uh, the the tensions there already. Um, like if this was a movie, this might be my favorite movie that came out this year. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I love ensembles. I love survival yeah. horror stuff. You know, much like Aliens, it's them going into the mm-hmm. aftermath of something and yeah. try to discover what went on and what's going on. It's very Resident Evil, the video game. Like these are all yeah. elements that I do appreciate and love, and I feel yeah. like this is doing that. And obviously, Eminem's art's you know solid because Eminem's art's top. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it. Everything's clicking. I mean. I think I've, I have found another creative that loves Jaws as much as I do. <laughs> like, th- it's not just basketball heads. There's Jaws references as, all through this book. So uh, I think that's a Joe Hill thing. Yeah, there's a few like, references in this, actually, because they were um, talking about uh, doing 
Quidditch on the moon at one point, I think. Yeah. Quidditch. Yep, yep. Quidditch. Quidditch. Um, well, yeah. Anyways. Um, but yeah, there's, there's also... And then, then you think about the Husky in the beginning, it made me think of the thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's just... There's all these things here that... The, the, like, I know Tim likes Joe Hill, but see, I feel like I could sit down and talk to Joe Hill not about his own work. I just want to be like, hey, so like Jaws... Right. Do you know what this feels like to me? This feels like the comic book equivalent. This is this is Stranger Things, but for yeah. the thing yeah. and movies like that, as opposed to the more for, teenage fair. Yeah, this is the the eighties, like horror and sci-fi, like yeah, horror sci-fi combos. You know, um, and it feels very Carpenter already. Like just. Think- it, what does separate from that you know you, you know it's it's like stranger things is that this is not set in the 80s this is no there's pretty not contemporary right? no that's true but it, yeah. it, it's, it's channeling that vibe heavily it, it is it is yeah. Yeah, i yeah. thought it was interesting well, because i did notice that I, this is the most contemporary one we've had yet and, and they are referencing books. things from About, that time period as well so it's not you know yeah, yeah yeah i just i think stranger things would still work without that dose of nostalgia it just it adds to it yeah whereas this it doesn't need it, so I get what Pete's saying, but it's it's there. You could tell that Joe Hill really cares about this type of story, just in the care to each of the characters. Like I got to the end, and I want more right now. But if this is how it's mm-hmm. going to be paced, that's perfect, you know, uh, because we're getting to know the characters when they start dropping, because we know they will. I'm not going to like that the brothers, one of the brothers is going to get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this could be my new favorite. I mean, I, I think, you know, my, my favorite up until now was Basketful of Heads, but this mm-hmm. might sneak past that. It's, it's, it's even just more my thing, but uh, yeah. Hell House has been mostly bearing the very good fruit. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, for me, this has the potential to get up to the favorites in terms of what it's doing, tone, atmosphere, what the type of story is. It absolutely could be. I think for me right now it suffers in that this is very much the introduction and that's not bad. I, I like what everything that it does here, but I definitely felt like it wasn't like a really full rounded issue of this story. It was just like, okay, here's the first part, right? I think this will probably read fantastically in trade uh, yeah. based off of this pacing. And um, that's again, not really a, a huge problem. It's just uh, reading it monthly. I'm like, okay, I like what I got, well, but I, I didn't get enough. Yeah, Basket and even Dollhouse Family lends itself to the serialization of comics. Yeah. This feels like a movie mm-hmm. where, where, like Pete said, this is just the first 10 minutes of the movie. Uh, yeah, that, that, I can see that. I mean, assuming the rest of the story is good, and I have no reason to doubt that it would, would, would mm-hmm. be, but uh, that's good easily. I can see this being like a great two-hour movie. It's it's mm-hmm. funny. I, I actually feel this most between, out of all the Hill House books, it's this and uh, and Basketful that fall into that where, okay, this is a 90-minute movie. And Basketful has, has managed to break itself up a little bit by having mm. something because, okay, this is the theme of this issue. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see these two, uh, you you know, the, the ones written by Hill himself, feeling the most, um, or, or the, you know, the, the least, you know, episodic, you know, that they have that. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of a criticism. Maybe he's, I think he's... He comes could, from could books, ad- though. Yeah, right? exactly. He comes from books. I think he could adapt to comics a little well, better in that regard. And I and I know the Lock and Key shows on right now, and I know you guys weren't too big on it, but it makes me want to check out the comic because if this is what it was, the comics were like. Yeah, you know, well, obviously he he's very successful as a comic writer, but as well, yeah. it's not like this is his first job. I just feel like he definitely approached this as a novelist, as mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as if the next chapter's there, ready to go, like it would be in his book. Whereas right. it's it's not. I've got to wait a month. 
Well, and and that's, some of the other writers in the Hill House have have managed to kind of capture that comics feeling better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that that's Sea Dogs too, because every time I, I flip through, I kind of browse it. And I'm like, <laughs> this is too. I want to read this. Yeah, Honestly, yeah and I, I, again, I, I still hate that that's in every single book because we I, dropped I, one of them, and it's like, well, now you're screwed if you were enjoying Sea Dogs. Yeah, yeah. So, I I can't really even complain that much about this though, because ultimately I don't want it to change anything about what it is. I love what it is now, and I don't want yeah. it to change to fit this episodic format. Now I just want it to oh, be no, this what it is for the rest of it, and yeah. have this complete story. This, it's like when I read The Wake, and The Wake felt very similar, where this it felt like a movie, and then when it had the breaks in there. But I feel like Snyder took advantage of the comic format when he there's a, a tone shift yeah. through there that really worked with the comics. That if this was a movie or TV show, you're like, what the hell just happened? I think say what you want about Snyder, but if you've read The Wake, I think each issue felt like much more distinct than yeah. Like this, if you place it next to issue two in a month's time, aside from that final page of this is clearly the last page, right. I don't think you'd even really notice. No. Which, reading in trade is going to be great. In, in trade, right. yeah, this is going to be a, a fantastic ride. Yeah. Which, I mean, let's be honest, most people will read it that way. This is going to yeah. have a much longer life after these single issues uh, yeah. than, than it does right now. But I'm happy to be at the forefront. I'm happy to be, uh, you know, telling people to go buy this book because I think you should support it. Uh, yeah. Because um, it's Iman's fresh. Art and... is, is gorgeous, but I, I do particularly want to shout out, I think it's uh, Dave Stewart on the colours. Oh man, they they are fantastic, moody and brooding. The blues yeah. and the greens, oh, it's so good. I love supporting some of these Hellhouse comics and sort of saying because these books are not going to sell anything close to the big superhero books, and I love yeah. being able to support these and saying, no, I want more of this. Give me more yeah. good comics. I uh, <laughs> I put this on my pull list as soon as I got it. I go make sure I get these, please. I, I want yeah. these and physically. You know, whoever greenlit these knew that they're, that they're not going to sell tons. They'll sell right. presumably enough to justify their existence. I hope so. I haven't mm -hmm. really checked their sales. Uh, don't have no idea where they were kind of racking in. But I think I think that they've got the the, the long term in, in mind where a lot of these will be great bookshelf, you know, trades in the, in the future where they go, mm -hmm. hey, every, every year when it gets to October and they point out, you know, okay, here are the, some of the horror trades that we want to push this year. They can just throw these, you know, hey, book, bookstores, stick this on your, your recommended shelf. Uh, it's yep. just easy things to go that. And I think this will give them great longevity, in, uh, you know, over like decades, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And just since you asked, I was curious. So I went back to the sales uh, just to see where Basketful of Heads uh, came in. On the Fuse list, it came out number 91. And how many? That's actually four, by the way. And it sold, hey, 22,000. That's better than some of those other... Uh, so it's some, better than some other DC books, and better, that's in the middle of its run, so it's kind of dropped off already. Yeah, uh, that's better than what Supergirl did. So it only has to, it's only got two more issues, and you have to imagine that if how, how many people are going to buy issue four of a six issue book and not buy the, the next two? Uh, yeah, most of them. Out of interest, compare that to Dollhouse Family because that's one that's you know not got the the big names attached. It's got a, a name in comics that people will recognize, but not you know, uh, Joe Hill. Issue three of that sold seventeen point six thousand. Okay, so lower but not terrible not i mean it's not good but it's not like the worst thing ever uh lolo woods is 15.9 so just a little bit lower again again that that makes sense to me because let's like say you know uh, dollhouse has some creatives that are known in the industry whereas lolo woods i think they were new to comics and then daphne burn 15.1 so what that's telling me is that even daphne burn is holding its own against a lot of superhero books i think to me that says that there's something to be said here for how much better sales sort of perspective or perspectives there is for miniseries where they because a lot of these books that are selling under that are like they're in issue 30 40 50 i feel like 
this maybe actually lends an argument, unfortunately, to no. If you just do six issue books, they'll sell. They'll, they won't drop too much before issue six, and then you start again somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, and I think this this, especially with minis and like this, they they're aimed long term at the trade, aren't they? Yeah. Um, where they know they've only got to get six issues and out. They can they don't have to sell gangbusters because it's fine. We'll have the book the book to to fall back on that we but can if they, shove for years. If they cover the cost of the production. And the singles, then everything the trade does is gravy. So exactly, yeah. So I mean, that's the, the appeal there. Uh, but I love this, Matt. What are you giving Plunge issue one? I'm giving this a nine point five. Oh baby! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, now I'm gonna seem negative. Carl, are you giving it? I'm giving it an eight, and I feel like like, like you know, for an me, eight's I, so good, Connor. No, it is. It's really good. It's like no, no, this is great. It, like, I love the atmosphere. I love what it's setting up, but it's not. It's not at the meat of it yet. I expect this to go up over the course of this. Book. Hey, I yeah, expect to give this higher. Connor, Ka- Ka- <laughs> your eight is like an eleven on Matt's scale. So don't don't. Yeah. Uh... Oh, calm down. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give this a straight nine. Uh, so, yeah, this is fantastic. I love it. Exactly right. what I wanted this book to be. No, I agree. I agree. That's yeah. everything I want. Um, and I'm so glad we made the choice because there was a chance that we might have not done the Hill House because it's not really DC stuff, kinda. Yeah. I'm glad we did though because they're kind of some of my favorite stuff I right have, now. <laughs> I have the feeling that it's gonna end up on my best of next time around yeah december january yeah 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 i can see that all right so i'll take us out to the final book of the week then uh the other hill house book lolo woods issue three carmen maria mikado and danny strips mm-hmm. on the art uh and this is octavia going to a local witch to look for answers as to what happened this to book them. got weird i know it did. Oh, oh, sorry it only just got weird uh, okay how are you going to see a witch isn't even the weird part. The weird part later yeah. is that there's an entire family of women who apparently become sinkholes. Yeah. I mean, it read practically explained that from the end of it the does. first issue. Oh, it did. Right. Sure, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> technically it and does. not only that, creatures come from the sinkholes. So whatever, whatever uh, L threw down there, that could have been a woman. Think about it. I mean... The, the flayed person. Yes. Yeah, can we just talk about the fact? I don't want to say man or woman because I can't actually tell. Okay, I can't tell. Uh, Do you know? I feel like the fact that a skinless person attacked one of the main characters, and that is the least weird thing in the issue. Says something. That's one on one, Pete. But human sinkholes in 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 preteen witches that are apparently centuries old. But you know what's weird about this though is they say, okay, it runs in the family, and I have to kind of hold it together. Uh, and the reason why it happened in bed, you know, that end of that first issue is because, you know, usually I, I can hold it together until you leave and then that's it. But you were right. still there, so I couldn't hold it. And I'm like, wait, so this is kind of like holding in a fart where you just have to kind of clench yourself. What's really interesting to me about it is it happens when they're happy and when they're content yep. and relaxed. That's mm. when it happens. Well, so, because, you know, she talks about her mother had to, you know, always keep herself on edge and really tense to keep it under control. Do you know what that's like almost a little bit? It's like certain vampires losing their souls in the hit television show buffer the vampire slayer if they get true happiness then all hell breaks loose well but that's that was because of a gypsy curse <laughs> that's different <laughs> this could be because of a gypsy curse it could, it could be oh. <laughs> maybe i don't know but so to me the subtext of that is is that in this town women aren't allowed to be happy because if yes you're no truly, yes you're truly happy then you can't be the stay at home yeah if we're, if we're going and yeah if, if we're going with the themes of sexism that we've had already in this yeah. book and sexual assault and all these things then yes obviously that's what the this does to the, the story yeah. what it adds to it um because yeah. that's what i'm thinking because the mom was a 
a, a pageant queen and she loved it and she got the dad and when she would disappear for days the one girl was always like dad didn't seem to care he just knew that mom would be back and, and i'm like well that's kind of sinister and then you find out that she was becoming a sinkhole and you're like what the hell so my yeah, brain starts and, looking at the and what was she doing because obviously it was wait, okay she was too happy and too relaxed wait, so that's why she needed to go away what was she doing because it says oh, she went for a day or two what was she doing wait, to get herself back on edge yeah right. and, and then we have to ask the question is how does this tie into the fact that every woman in the town not just this family that every woman well, in the town has time that they lose and and the fact that this <laughs> witch who looks like a preteen girl which would mean when they would come of age so i'm outside of her creepy hand with the long fingernails and wrinkles right she presents as a preteen girl about yeah like an eight to ten year old maybe right so if the, the the forgetfulness happens after they became you know for lack of a term once they enter womanhood that would mean the witch is outside of this because of how she presents right yeah, and, and, and is that intentional is there a spell on herself to right. block this from happening to her so she's always under that, yeah we know that her mom died in 1822 and <clears> so she's got to be old, you know born way before that at least uh, you know she's got to be born at and, least around 1900 right, and, i'd say right and if this is set in the 90s, right, then... She's probably about 100-ish. Right. So you, you got that, and then what she tells V is, you know, sometimes forgetting's helpful to you, and that it's remembering that that's the problem. Yeah, she kind of makes a point of how, you know, she's she's given away a lot of this potion over the years yep. to people in this town because it's, it's much easier to just forget something and forget that there's something bothering you because right. then you'll not be concerned. You won't feel so bad about it. And that's easier than remembering the truth. Right. And yeah. so, so, and then we get, we so get, uh, I was, I was going to say, so V goes to uh, Jessica, that was the girl she was with, you know, that's the, the right. daughter who has the sinkhole problem. That's yep. just, it's, it's just so weird to say out loud. It's people who become sinkholes. Uh, but yeah. and she explains this to her and V's kind of responsive and like is understanding. They have a romantic moment and they're starting to get frisky. Uh, and this actually coincides, it intercuts at the end here, yeah. with Elle, who's just come back from being attacked from a skinless person, and she's just lying in bed and thinks, you know what, I'm in the mood, and she starts masturbating. So this is happening at the same time as the well, sex is happening, and at the same time as this, we see the mum, the sinkhole mum, has like a hand coming out of the, the sinkhole. Yeah, and there was something else earlier in the issue that implied they that were they're linked, linked, right? Um, <clears throat> it was when one was in pain. Yes. Bleeding. Yeah, it was, yeah. There was she two, tasted the blood in her mouth. It was two things. It was the it was the pain of the blood, and it was also because it was like she she thought something, and then it like she has that thought. It went to it went to oh, yeah, L. She's like, oh, I I miss you, V. I miss you very much. And then she's there, yeah. like going, what? And thinking so, that she'd heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, because yeah, it was because because so, before the lip thing, I, there was like already a hint that was more psychic, sort of or whatever. Yeah. You know, it was like a, a thinking, so, a, a thought, if you yeah. will. Yeah, and they're on the yeah, same yeah. page actually. Those two things, um, they're like yeah. happening at the same time, but it is very clearly going. No, no, no these two are linked. Yeah. Like, I thought I understood what this book was, and then women become sinkholes, and I just don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> so obviously, like, so obviously, the reason why Elle is getting sort of uh, erotic with herself at the end is because of the sex scene that's happening right. elsewhere yeah. she's essentially feeling some of that pleasure and but she doesn't question it because it's no. like oh, sure why not it's pretty normal teenage yeah, yeah i mean teenage hormones like... yeah outside of the timing of it being right after being attacked that being a little bit weird other than that yeah and sure yeah, she's just lying in bed wherever she's in the mood but yeah, yeah. We, we see that it's linked to the other the other thing Honestly, my, my favorite bit of this book as well was the, the narration box going, I know what you're thinking, Deus Ex Machina, witches and potions to yeah. fix all our problems, seriously? It's like, well, all I can say is, 
Humanity's always had witches. Witches always have potions. So, right. screw you. <laughs> well, that, that's also that's the voice of the writer going, this is my story, but out. Uh, <laughs> also, the witch, yeah. yeah, the witch, the witch also looked at the mushroom that she found up at the Heaven on Earth place. So, and so that that's interesting. Do you, do you think the, like, it was one of the things that came out of the sinkhole people that's causing all this other stuff in the town? Or is the sinkhole people cause whatever's causing everything else? Like, what? Like what's one's the cause? I think that <laughs> neither are the cause. I think there's a root cause that right, affecting okay. all these things in different ways. Right. So the sinkhole I think and the... The mining in this town caused whatever. And now because they didn't listen to the earth and be like get out now it's yeah it's causing they, they issues the sinkhole yep. people and the, the visual of people climbing out of like sinkholes in the middle of people that is like that is straight up david lynch imagery that's what it made me think yeah. of it made me think of yeah. something david lynch would put in something yeah uh, i love it this, this so. is uh, like, you know, I've, I've been enjoying this book for the first yeah. time right you know it's been good and, and i've been enjoying the conversation around it yeah. more, um, maybe more so than reading it and then this issue happened i went oh i'm so in so like i would never would have thought sinkhole people became a word we would say on the show but now it is <laughs> and like we we kind of had that at the end of the first issue where you're like what the hell is going on is this i bet J- james tyden thought he was being all smart with the upside down my eyes like oh t- yeah. take this james <laughs> sinkhole yeah. people <laughs> yeah so like man I'm trying to piece it all together. What what it means subtextually of what the author's putting forward because this is very a female focused. Oh yeah. Horror of almost the horror of being female and what that means and the stuff that you have to go through that most people don't think about because there's there's even that thing about the mom talking to V. I mean to th- uh, to go back to what you were saying about you know that you took this is meaning that they can't be happy because if they get happy this right. happens. You could take that one step further and say that. If they become happy, they almost become blind to the bad things around them, and that's why all these right. these bad things are allowed to happen. Right. Uh, so, um, so it's just sort of taking that one step further. And so that, there's a lot of stuff going on here, which is good. Yeah, and that, these two are the ones that almost are primed to break that cycle, but they're being pulled back into it, right? Mm. Because yeah. V wants to leave, and L knows that she wants to leave, but she can't leave her parents, right? So, and now that's what that's what the fight was about you know, it was about one of them leaving and that's Remind how you break the cycle. Does, uh, does she ever take the forgetful potion? We never see it. No, I think the witch puts it in a bag. Right. But we don't but see we never take see it, right? You, you, no, because the last... You see forgetful potion. Huh? Did they call it that? Because, I mean, technically it's the opposite. It's a remembrance right, potion. remembering potion. No, no, it was a forgetful potion. It was a potion to make <coughs> no. you forget more things. No, she wants to remember no. the th- what happened I mean, to I know, her. I know that's, a sh- that's what she wants, but that's what the witch offered her. It was a potion to forget more, to forget that she wanted to remember something. Matt, corroborate this. <laughs> okay, I've got the dialogue here. The witch is holding up the little vial of potion and says, this will help you forget that, that you forgot. It will help you forget that you forgot. Smooth out the snipped edges if that's what you want. Right. The whole point is it makes her forget that she wants to remember anything so she feels better about it. So it's a forgetting. I I read that as this was meant to... Well, we thought... Well, I thought you might be able to help us figure out what happened. Why would you want that? Forgetting is easy. We do it as automatically as breathing. This will help you, right? Yeah, but then Uh, she says um, she's been trying to restore lost memories for over a century. Yeah, I hate to say it. I don't have any real solution. So it's a forgetting post. (laughs) Hate it. Yeah, I hate when he's right as well. It's awful. Yeah, it's so it's 
she takes that and she forgets that there's something that she wants to know. So then that itch of, oh, right. what am I forgetting? That goes away and, and, and she feels better. So, well, I don't know. I don't even it's, know if it, I do, but my friend does. So to me, this is not for her. This is for Elle. Oh, uh, yeah, it could be. Because You're it's right. bothering Elle more than it's bothering her. So maybe she'll give it to Elle without telling her. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, there you go. We, we give it a map. I'm going to this one eight. Mainly for sinkhole people. <laughs> Connor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight from me too, for kind of the same reasons. And how weird sinkhole people's look in this art. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll give it an eight too. It is. I think this is the best. Ghastly. Yeah, I think this is the best of the three because it's been the most intriguing issue. Yeah. Um, so no point, points for that. Uh, so that was the last book, which takes us on to the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week. There are favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So Matt, what is your favorite panel slash moment of the week? This one's this one's tough because there's a lot. Um, we had a, a great week all round. Like, we did. did. Yeah. Um, I'd love to give it to Plunge, but nothing in Plunge sticks out. As a singular right? like moment. Straight. Yeah. Yeah. As a singular Lola moment. Lola Woods has sinkhole people, but I don't want that in my brain anymore. <laughs> I don't want it out. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Legion, and it's gonna be that that the first Janet page, where it's Imra like meditating, um, in that white out spot. That's a that's a pretty good because uh, that really snaps you into what this issue is going to be about yeah there's a lot of good options for me you know i could take uh obviously the one i mentioned from killer smile with the you know with the, the red light and the, the shotgun and croc that was a fantastic page uh, there's a couple of things from dead earth i could even take there's definitely one or two things from legion or uh you know uh, plunge well not so much plunge but you know low woods has got a couple of big moments i think what i'm going to go there's a couple of things from Unkillables that i could take but i think i'm going to go with the uh the uh the tree lobsters page like i think That's i just have good to too. i just have to go with that it stuck with me um uh, could we describe ourselves as mobsters because it would help with the rhyming in the chorus it's just such a good goddamn joke so uh that's my pick connor um yeah i'm with you there's so many things that you could choose this week um you know there, there are those two fantastic moments in killer smile that we talked about um that, that i loved you know that, that double page in dead earth um I'm gonna go just for something really simple though, in the in the complete opposite way. Uh, I'm going the one from Unkillables, just Deathstroke ringing the doorbell with his sword. Just, just, <laughs> that just is, cracked me up. That, that is pretty it. good too. That was that literally the too. first page we talked about in the show. <laughs> I know, but I loved it. That, that I genuinely like that one small moment that he's just like so casual about ringing it. Like he, he's just stood that relaxed. He's just like, yeah, yeah. This is how he rings doorbells. There's just no second thought to it. It's like the worst trick-or-treater you're ever going to get is Deathstroke. Yep. All right, uh, so I'll take us on to best cover of the week. Uh, so I was looking earlier. I was I was thinking ahead because I'm being good. Some good ones, isn't there? Um, yeah, I mean, the Aquaman covers are pretty good. Obviously, uh, the deceased variants, uh, both the Matina one, even though it's Red Hood, which obviously upsets me, but uh, even the Wonder Woman one, it's like the it Chapter 2 poster is really nice uh my i have to go though my, my, my pick my, my number one pick though is the regular cover for plunge it's just this beautiful just you know stark white background the sort of dark ship with just a tinge of red uh really selling the type of book that it is uh really good simplistic kind of kind of design uh so that's that's mine uh connor what you got 
Um, yeah, like I say, you know, you mentioned a few really good ones there. I'm going to go with one of the ones you did mention. It is the uh, the Aquaman variant, the, the Chris Anker one. Um, love that. Again, start weight background. It's a theme this week. Uh, Matt, what you got? So no, no, the, really... the variant. Sorry, I said yeah. I did say the variant, didn't right. I? That's not the, the yeah, that's not the white background. That's the regular yeah. cover. Uh, they both have white backgrounds. Maybe I'm just misremembering. No, it. the other one's Aquaman, kind of walking out of the sea. I remember being bright, but whatever. Uh, what you got, Matt? So, so I really like the Jimmy Olsen variant because it's him with a gorilla with the, looking at a butterfly uh, with a Superman logo on it, which you know it's pretty cool. Yeah. The Legion cover is pretty cool too because you know it's got the the original trio on there. But I gotta agree with Pete that that plunge cover it looks like a movie poster. Like if I saw that in the cinema, like I'm like, ooh, what's this movie? Mm-hmm. This looks interesting. What's, what's funny is I kind of prefer the the variant on Plunge from Gary Frank. I like it, but it doesn't. It that doesn't tell me the vibe of the book. That looks like a scene. Yeah, sure. right. So this sums it up exactly. So yeah. Yep, that'll take us on to best art of the week. Oh God, Connor. Um. Um. Uh, Sorrentino. Um, I. Mm-hmm. What we got here? We got Emmerman. We got Sorrentino. Some good art this week. Yeah, there was a lot of sort of solid art underneath that as well that I really liked. But if I'm picking, yeah, Sorrentino. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Yeah, um, so I'm gonna go with Imanin from Plunge. I mean, I could have gone Burn, just as almost yeah. as a, you know, Wonder Twins, mm-hmm. you know, but tribute for doing so well over all twelve yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is Imanin, and I'm happy to to have this. So, yep. Uh, all right, so uh, top five books of the week, then Matt, you're up first. Go. All right, number one is Plunge. Number two is Legion of Superheroes. Number three is Unkillables. Number Four is Wonder Twins, and number five is Jimmy Olsen. Cool. Connor? Uh, number one's Unkillables, two's Killer Smile, three is Wonder Twins, four is Jimmy Olsen, and then five is... Oh, God, I've got so many other eights. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. All right, my number one... I had two nines, so I'm really debating which one, <laughs> which one I'm putting I up. had two nines as well. Uh... I think I'm going to go with Killer Smell at number one. Number two, I'll go with Plunge. Number three is Unkillables. Number four is... <laughs> this is hard. Everything's really close this yeah. week, isn't it? Number four, I'll go with... Legion of Superheroes. Number five, I'll go with... Dead Earth. I think that's what I'll go with. For the record, my lowest ranked book this week was Batman with a seven. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of sevens and eights, but you know. Yeah, my lowest was I want to say it was Justice League with like a seven point five, maybe. Yeah, I had, I had Batman at a seven and Aquaman at a seven point five. Everything else was an eight and up. Hey, it's hard to complain with this many books, but at least they're all <laughs> good. I mean, quite good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there was there was nothing on here that I'm like, oh, I didn't really enjoy reading that one. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, what well, nice, nice week, nice good week. Uh, busy week next week, but at least next week the chances of having big news is lessened. 
right? Bloody better be. Right, so we should have a more normal lens show next week, but here's, here's what's coming next week. Action Comics 1020, Amethyst number one. Uh, we have Basketful of Heads number five, Batgirl 44, Batman Beyond 41, Batman Curse of the White Knight issue seven. That's the penultimate issue of that. Uh, Batman mm-hmm. Superman number seven. We have Detective Comics 1020, Dial H for Hero no- number 12. We got Far Sector number four. We have do 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 Justice League Dark number twenty. John Custody mm-hmm. Hellblazer four is also out if you're interested in that. We got Leviathan Dawn issue one oh I'm looking forward yep. to that, Matt. Uh Red to Delta Forty Three is out. We have Shazam number eleven, Suicide Squad number three, and Wonder Woman seven five two. As as well as, of course, apologies. Uh, well, you're, you're the villain, Hella Risen number three. Uh, there's too many books that's like 13 or 14 books i think it was on the upside though no solicits next week no sales figures hopefully yeah. dc don't drop yeah. any big announcements and on us no no matt, matt so we'll get through it really quickly and no matt yeah. that's a good point yeah matt's missing next week I, guys i will send in my thoughts on my uh ones i'm very excited about yeah the ones you get leviathan. to so expect a yeah. rant on white knight white knight leviathan uh-huh. uh what else is on there if fear of the villain annoys him, that may be. Um, yeah, Suicide Squad. Um, if you check out Amethyst, that'd be interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, if you if you bother. But, yeah, and the basket. Those, those are my ones I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. so. Hey, what I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, a lot of those I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, th- this could be a good week. And then I remembered that Batgirl is part two of that story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that'll probably suck. But um, I've got eleven books by my account. Plus, I need to read Red Hood again this month. And I'll, yeah. and also have American Vampire to read next week as well. So hey, just all books next week. There's nothing else but books. Just books. Just a long show yep. of books. Uh, but that's okay. So there we go. That's what's coming next week. Uh, so this has been episode one nine five of the show. By all means, let us know what you thought of the various books we talked about, and definitely give us your thoughts on Dan Didio's exit uh, from DC. You can get us on Twitter, of course, at DC Comics Podcast. You can support the show by rating the podcast on Apple Podcast. Give us five stars and a review. It helps more people find us. You can also support us, of course, financially by going to patreoncom slash TV <laughs> and supporting us there for as little as one dollar per month, and that'll get you some bonuses. Uh, the five dollar tier, specifically though, you do get early access to all of the comics podcasts. That's comics from the multiverse previously from in the multiverse which you know with a new episode of that one out this week uh, me and Connor working our way through a classic uh, series there's a new vote up as well for the seventh slot on that that show so make sure you do that it's also in the five dollar tier if you're a patron uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested in all that stuff and do the usual things on youtube like, like and subscribe and ding the bell all the all the usual jazz that we always say uh so you can do all that uh, and of course you can check out other content that we have we mentioned previously in the multiverse with uh, that i do with connor uh, where we do the old runs in dc comics uh, but check out other stuff we do as well if you're interested in uh, movies or tv shows or whatever uh, we do have like a horror movie podcast called screams after midnight and there's also the science fiction movie podcast the atomic cinema experiment the ace uh, both of those might be something you're you're curious about. Uh, you can find them on our YouTube channel, or they'll all have their own podcast feeds. Uh, but that is that is pretty much us. That is that has been episode one nine five of the show. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And I'm telling you that Imanin, he can draw. <laughs>